do not adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. It's Wednesday night, so at this point, you really should know what that means. It's the Mark Order Podcast. It's me, Ryan, for some reason in charge. I don't know who made that mistake. Uh, as all, joined as always, not joined as always by Joe or Kate. Joe is apparently sick. I don't think we're going to catch him out having fun somewhere. And we traded Kate to Fightful for Kyle who I will introduce in a second. Uh, two, two picks and a player to be named later. So that that's that was the deal we struck this afternoon. So we'll see if we ever have to readjust. But as part of that trade, we got Kyle Sparks. How you doing, Kyle? Doing great. You did. Doing great. I, um, I'm not sure how Fightful was able to uh, include in the trade. I'm not sure how Fightful was able to include me in the trade because I don't think they have my rights, but, you know, I'll, I'll make it work. I didn't, I don't understand how we could trade Kate anyway, considering she has a contract with both, but that's neither here nor there. Well, I clearly you got to work out how, how she was able to negotiate this deal with Ant Money. Something, something is wonky here. Well, I don't trust him and his, his dealings. I think the contracts have been finagled from the beginning. You gotta get, uh, gotta get the barrister R.D. Evans or uh, Clarence or uh, one of those wrestling lawyers on this. Mark Mark Sterling. There you go. You almost said Clarence Thomas. Well, there was there was Clarence, and I forget the I forget the character's last name. He was a lawyer for the Cornette clan in the WWE in the mid '90s. Oh, right. And I want to say it was Clarence something or other. Is it I Mason? cannot remember his last name. Yes, I think it was Clarence Mason. That does sound right. Yes, it was Clarence Mason. Yeah, because it was because it was like Perry Mason and Clarence Thomas, sort of like. Yeah. Okay. That 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 makes sense. Okay. So Kyle, before we get started, uh, tell everyone where we're not not plug your stuff necessarily, but in case anyone's unfamiliar, what what do you cover? What's your what's your area in this wrestling world? Uh, my beat is mostly Ring of Honor. That's kind of my thing. I've got ROH Shill helpfully in my bio there at Kyle K. Sparks on my Twitter there. Uh, I do, uh, I'll talk more about that at the end of the show when I do my plugs, but I'm more of an ROH guy and uh, also a bit of an amateur wrestling historian as I as I go. Um, you need a fancy hat for that, so we'll work on that later. Um, Big G and Scott both knew Clarence Mason. Well, Scott called him Clearance Mason, but... That's only because you get them on sale. Um, so, okay. So, how's your week going so far, Kyle? It's good. It's good. I uh, it was nice to uh, actually have a reason to take some notes and uh, pay a little bit closer attention on uh, while I'm watching Dynamite. Usually, I'm watching a little bit on delay after I put my kids to bed or something like that. So, it's it's a fun show. Fun show is we're uh, the go-home Dynamite before Revolution. It is. It feels weird that it's a go-home show because you still have Saturday. Um, and look, we got... So Joe may actually be homesick. I thought he was out partying, but Joe is saying that Kate got a lot more handsome. Well, thank you. I think I am a more handsome version of Kate. I, I do... Oh, oh. 
I'm okay. See how that Um Okay. So you, do you so you usually catch Dynamite on replay? You're not a live guy. Yeah. Um, but do you watch ROH live? I I'm usually about. I mean, I I try. Yeah, I watch ROH live uh, because I've got a post show on uh, our local establishment, uh, Astrid Pizarro's platform that drops right after. So I keep an eye on that. But uh, yeah, I'm usually watching Dynamite half hour to 45 minutes behind, give or take. My kids' bedtime is about 8, 8.30. So I like to be there for, for that. That's, you know, I only have so long with them when they're, when they're young. Yeah, but eventually they'll be staying up watching it. So it'll all work out. So far, uh, so far, neither has really shown a lot of interest. I'm not going to push it on them or force it on them. If they want to come watch with me, they're welcome to. But if they don't, whatever. I've been uncool watching wrestling by myself my entire life. What's going to change now? It seems like a failure. I think you should force your, <laughs> your likes and dislikes on them. That's my view of how parents should operate. Well, you know, I... <laughs> Uh, I feel like that would end really badly for me, but <laughs> it's never backfired once. <laughs> never, never in the history. history of the world. All right. Next thing, Ooh. next thing you know, you're going to be asking what could possibly go wrong. What could possibly go wrong? And then, which really would only work is if like your kid came out of nowhere now with like a chair and just smacked you over the head. Yeah. We got plug. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, look, we got Plugo. Plugo saying studs. I've I've had to re-nickname him a couple times. He was Plugalo, but because of the issues with those guys, uh, I now have to go with Puggo because it's the only other thing I could think of. So his his people will be somehow his fans will be somehow related to dogs. I just haven't figured it out yet. Pugs are adorable. I would I would actually be okay with that name. Ah, <laughs> uh, not a pug guy. Too small. Uh, My I, had, I, had had, I had a friend who had a couple of them, so I'm used to it. Well, my buddy who sometimes listens to the show had one, and uh, that was the dumbest dog I've ever met in my life. <laughs> um, and yes, Pluglo, you were in fact Pluglo for a while, but now you're Puggo. It, it, it all works out. Um, so, all right. Uh, yeah. Trying to, so, normally we like you know we don't have a. When, 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 unless something very interesting happens in our weeks, which, you know, doesn't seem like uh, it, there did, there was anything, you know, we, we start with either the show or the news and notes. I don't think there was a a lot of news and notes this week. I think the biggest one was at the meat, the meat man match. Oh, well, no, let's actually, let me start with the serious one because I'm thinking about it. We did lose two wrestlers this week. You lost Ollie yes. Anderson. And uh, Mike Jones, better known as Virgil or Vincent, depending on which program you, you watched growing up. He was also Soul Man or something else too. I, I'm not as familiar with him in that one. Uh, Soul Train Mike jo or Soul Train Mike Jones, something like that. I think. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be honest. I have no memories of Oli. Everything I know about Oli comes through uh, watching back stuff. Uh, I have. Many memories of Virgil, but as Vincent, because that was really my first introductions to him. I, I then went back and saw stuff because I've told the story before. Once I got into wrestling, I got all the old WWE tapes from like 84 to like 93. So I saw his stuff eventually, but for me, he's Vincent. Yeah. Uh, any uh, Virgil's memories or all the Anders' memories? 
uh, he was always Virgil to me, uh, just be, just based on my age and growing up. Uh, I grew up in the northern United States, you know, uh, so I was not much of a NWA or WCW or Jim Crockett Promotions guy. Uh, as time went on, I eventually discovered them. But uh, growing up, I was all in on the WWF. So uh, when Virgil came around with Ted DiBiase and that whole concept, that was that was my first introduction to him. Um, I was all in on the babyface turn right around 1991 or 90 or 91 when he uh, turned with D- when DiBiase turned or he turned on DiBiase, won the million dollar title, teamed up with Roddy Piper for some reason. Um, you know, it was a, uh, and then his push kind of went nowhere. That <laughs> it was a great face turn that got an enormous amount of. Uh, love from the fans and then there wasn't really anywhere else to go with it well it wasn't if i recall correctly he wasn't really a character he was just his i mean his character was ted dibiase's basically butler and nothing more built out so when you bring him solo and say you're going to now uh have your own run there's nothing there. Like you can't, you, you can't just, you can't be a face being like, "Hey, remember what I was? Who yeah. are you now?" And he had nothing. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't have any. Just, he didn't have any personality outside of his relationship to Ted DiBiase, which is great for one turn. But like you said, after that, you got nothing. You are. He had a fun. Um, he had no real personality as Vincent either, but he had that fun role of guy who constantly got beat up yeah because he was the nwo's basically fall guy in yeah in that era yeah and he and he has uh he made something of a reputation for himself on the uh on the convention circuit as uh quite the notorious hustler as as i'm sure many people will will tell stories oh, it, it, if Kate join, Kate may join us later. If uh, we're still got, we you know if we're going and and uh, Fightful's over, because they even now that we're a faster show, uh, since we cut out Collision, even even now that we're faster, they're still half our time. So if she comes in, she has a great Virgil story about him taking oh. over her a booth she ran at a wrestling show. Um, <laughs> but I won't tell it. It's not mine to tell. But. Uh, you know, like I said, I have, I have no real memories besides that. And with Oli, nothing. Uh, he's just a guy whose name I know. So, but I, I wish the best for both families. It's it's rest in peace to both of them. It's sad. You don't like that. Said so, you know, they had their runs, but still, I mean, uh, Vincent Virgil was only in his uh, early sixties, and then yeah, anymore, I think that's I read, young. I think, I read, not, six, I think not, I read sixty-one. Yeah, that's not old anymore. That's that's. That's still young. You still have a lot left. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, just sucks, but, but we move on. Um, Ophelia saying, Oh, big boss man, Ryan tonight. That's correct. I think everyone should appreciate <laughs> I am the big, boss. uh, the other news before dynamite, unless someone in the chat or you, Kyle, think of something that I'm forgetting was that the, the meat match, uh, 
I want to be real quick. Agent Joe saying he was battling dementia. He was, and I'm glad you don't want it to go that route because dementia is is a brutal disease. Just the whole thing is sad. But yeah. uh, on a more positive note, I guess relatively, the meat match was canceled for injury, but and changed into an eight way. But when I looked at the people in the eight way, all three meat match members were in there. So I don't understand what happened. Yeah, I, I, because I, I saw recall the match of... was was Wardlow, Hobbs, and and Archer. Yeah, and, and all three the eight uh... man is Jericho, Hobbs, Archer, Wardlow. Two people to be named: Hook and Brian Cage. At least that's what I yes. saw. It's wrong. I apologize, but I saw that from a couple of different people. Well, yeah, those three uh, are still I've, in I've it got... then. Yes, I've got the list as Jericho, Hobbs, Archer, Wardlow, Hook, Cage, uh, then two qualifiers, one with Magnus from CMLL versus Matt Seidel, and the other one, a three-way between uh, Penta, Brian Keith, and Dante Martin. So, Ophelia has a point that she thinks maybe there was more more than three people meant to be in Meet Madness, which would make sense because it it's a weird name to give that match for those. I mean, those three guys are big guys, but that's not Meat Madness. That's just, a, a, you know, a meme match. Um, it, it doesn't really change anything, and it's it's not a big deal at all. I'm also deeply disappointed uh, that even if the match was canceled, how are you going to have a Meat Madness match and not have the Butcher in it? That You, you know what? That's a that's a that's extremely valid point. That that is extremely valid. <laughs> but I just you know maybe he was supposed to be. Maybe I'm not. You know I'm not gonna speculate on anyone's injuries. That was bad news because hopefully it's just a minor thing. Someone couldn't be there just for this match, and they're like, well, at that point, what's let's let's change it up. Uh, again, not really uh, a huge issue because. The eight way is going to solve a similar serve a similar role and solve and get you to the similar thing, but just an odd little thing where they didn't announce the extra guys in the meat match. Um, okay, meat sadness, excellent pun, excellent pun. Uh, good job, Ophelia. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's not the worst thing in the world, you know, it happens, but. It just stinks. I would, I, I think everyone would have had a lot of fun with, with meat madness puns. And meet, oh, and meet craziness. Um, uh, definitely. Actually, before we get started, because I want to, I'm going to ask you a question as my ROH expert. All right. And then we'll take our quick break and we'll get into dynamite. But this is this is going to matter to the matches that happen tonight. When was the last time Eddie Kingston did anything in ROH? The last time Eddie Kingston. Uh, appeared in ROH at all was a video package and backstage interview on January 4th. That was him uh, essentially, I, I think it was just they replayed the video that they aired on their social media of the interview that he cut after winning the uh, Continental Crown at World's End. Uh, the last match he had on ROH was on episode 42 which was, so it's been about 10, 11 weeks thereabouts. 
um, in a proving ground match against Evil Uno. So I want everyone to keep that in mind when we get to a match tonight, a trios match. Trios match itself doesn't matter. Well, it does, but not to my point. But part of that trios match is setting up Eddie versus Danielson on at Revolution for all three belts. One of those three is the ROH title. The ROH title has not been in ROH for months at this point. I need everyone to understand when we talk about these titles, how annoying that must be for someone like Kyle, who watches ROH regularly. And I watch ROH, but not with the the the, the eye towards it like Kyle does. That you have this champion that that isn't defending there. And why I'm annoyed, and why I even bring it up now is, and, I'll, and I would have brought it up later, but I think it fits here because it doesn't actually fit in the show. Um, is it just feels like it. Belt collecting without defending them just seems weak to me. So you have this triple crown belt and he's not defending them except for the one. And it's like, that just feels weak. He should be having to defend all three constantly. Like that's what makes that. But those, those three belts important is that you're constantly having to defend them. So as you hold on to them. So I don't know. I don't know what benefit we get if Danielson wins him because he's not going to go to defend all three. Now, he might because he's crazy, but Kingston likes to wrestle too. So I guess my my annoyance with the whole thing is we have this. You can almost hear it in the way they announce what the match is for, which is it's for the Continental. Like the way they always start with the Continental and then work into the other two belts. It's like you've so clearly delineated which ones matter where. It's just to me it weakens the whole the whole thing. Yeah. The the last defense, the last actual defense of the Continental Crown, the Triple Crown, was at Battle in the Valley in mid January when he fought Gabe Kidd. Uh, he's had two proving ground matches on collision, uh, one against Willie Mack, one against Brian Keith. Uh, he does. He does have defenses against Wheeler Yuta and Trent Beretta as well, both also on AEW properties. But that's been it. It's just a, just a waste of of that belt. And and Scott brings up a good point. When is the only time any champions in ROH? The only one is Athena. Yes, Athena is it. Now I will say, in fairness to. Kyle Fletcher, he's having issues that have nothing to do with booking. His is apparently uh, passport or getting over into the country related. Um, that has, you, you can't really do anything there. You, you can't even predict it. It's not like he could have known that he was um, going to have that tra- that trouble. But still, you're right. There's there's just, and and I don't know why it just really hit me tonight. Of like they they announced the Continental Trio thing, and I'm like. Two of those belts are never going to be defended. What are we doing here? Well, like if, yeah, if nothing and, else, just make it for the Continental belt and take one from Eddie. And then let him go to ROH and lose ROH. And you take a second from Eddie. And then let him go to, to Strong or whatever. And you have uh, have him lose Strong. And then you can tell the story that Eddie just lost everything he's ever wanted. When you do it all in one shot, doesn't really give you a story. 
yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be an uh, an odd thing, and it's one of the reasons why I didn't like the idea of the ROH World Title being involved in this Triple Crown concept in the first place. Is that taking it back apart again is going to be awkward at best, and. Uh, Right now, we've got Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson at Revolution. That's great. Um, I was talking about this on Twitter earlier today, actually. Um, uh, and I'm talking, and I was talking appearances. I haven't even talked matches. I was talking just appearances, a pre-tape, a vignette, an interview, anything like that. It has been eight weeks since Eddie Kingston appeared on ROH television anyway. It has been 11 weeks since Wheeler Yuta appeared on ROH television in any way. And Wheeler's hurt. Okay, I get that. That's that's fine. I understand. Injuries happen. But it's been almost three months. And moreover, when you put the belt on Wheeler in the first place, Wheeler was, he was sort of hanging around the periphery of the pure division. He was him. But Josh Woods was the guy who was openly saying, I'm going to be the next pure champion. But when whatever happened with Shibata and he had to get the title off him, you put it on Yuta? I, and then he gets hurt, so he's out. He's out. It's been seven weeks since we saw Kyle Fletcher, the TV champion. It's been four weeks since we saw the Undisputed Kingdom, the, t- the tag team champions. Uh, we haven't seen the six-man champions, Jay White and the Gun Club, since they won the belts seven weeks ago on AEW television. As a, and, and, and to underscore all of this, we are five weeks away from Supercard of Honor. So basically, ROH is a titleless company except for the women's title. And we're not really focusing on that too much right now because we're in the midst of the tournament to crown the women's television champion, which you, is it's, you did it's just been have. great. It's been great. The tournament to crown the women's TV champion has been a lot of fun. It's been producing great matches, and it's been putting spotlights on people like Aminata and uh, Billy Starks and so many incredibly talented performers. Okay, but but to be fair, as highlighted. Yeah. Athena's the only one that's been highlighted. Yes. Yeah. It is such a waste. I just I wanted to establish it because actually now you think about it, not only do we have Danielson and, and Kingston, you're gonna have the bang bang gang at some point in this episode. You're gonna have two two belts. We, I know it's technically five, but two belts. Well, six if you if you I mean uh three if you count the tag belts because they kind of come into play. You have three belts on the periphery of this episode that do not belong do not belong to this promotion and do not get defended. I just think that's very interesting in a not great way. Oh, and I'm sure I'll be talking about it tomorrow night as well on the show. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll plug that later as well, like I said. But I, we're five weeks away from Supercard of Honor, and I haven't the foggiest idea who they would possibly put opposite Eddie Kingston in that main event slot. Not a clue. There's, there's not even really... Athena's even been there week in, week out. I couldn't even i don't have the slightest idea who might challenge her well because they just wasted it nyla was perfect that match would have been perfect on supercard of honor yeah 
I, I thought I, I thought I thought putting a title on Billy Starks at Final Battle would have been the way to go, frankly. But I mean, not I'm only did not, we not, not do that, that, not only did we not, uh, I'm, I was fine not doing it, but then reeling her back into Athena's orbit was a interesting decision. Let's say I don't know if it's bad, but I I'm just not sure where it goes from here. Me neither. But it's important to consider as you watch this episode of Dynamite, or we talk about it, that. We're going to be talking about three different belts that will not be defended. And I want everyone to pay attention to that. But for right now, we're going to take our quick commercial break so we can come back and just go right through Dynamite. I'm going to screw this up, but let me try. First, she put on the overlay. Guys, I will never stop telling you exactly what I'm doing because it's fun to me. Put on the overlay. Turn up the volume first. I always see that second. It's a mistake. And then play. Thank every one of you for tuning in every Monday night to listen to The Shining Wizards. If you'd like to continue to support us outside of listening, we've got a few ways for you to do that. If you shop at Amazon, go over to Amazon.ShiningWizards.com, do your shopping as usual, and when you make your purchase, a little bit of that purchase price will go back to support the show. If you like to wear t-shirts, Merch.ShiningWizards.com will take you to our Pro Wrestling Tees store, where we've got over a dozen great designs from over 11 years of professional wrestling podcasting. You can become a Patreon supporter at Patreon.com slash Wizards Podcast, where each and every week we call out your name as one of our show producers, and the more you support us, the more things that you're entitled to receive, and believe me, they are fantastic. If you can't support us monetarily, if you don't shop at Amazon, that's absolutely fine. Continue to listen to us wherever you listen to us on the World Wide Web, and make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. It doesn't cost you anything, helps us out, and we can continue to bring you the love fest that is The Shining Wizards. What's up, folks? It's your boy, the Impact Player, Mr. Philly Ray, inviting all of you to check out the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we cover all things current in the world of pro wrestling, as well as paying homage to the old school, the squared circle. So listen in and find out why we are the recognized symbol of excellence in sports, entertainment, broadcasting. Find us on all social media platforms and anywhere you get your podcast from. And as always, we are the proudest members of the Shining Wizards Network and Rant Entertainment Media. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, BitChute, and on ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. Got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones, too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly, available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast, that's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T, and you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps.
you like your music heavy, then check out Radioactive Metal on the Shining Wizards Network. For over 16 years now, Radioactive Metal has been one of the longest-running podcasts. Over the years, we've interviewed some legendary metal acts, had some awesome discussions, and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes. So join your cool Uncle Snowy and his co-host Aaron for the audio mosh pit that is Radioactive Metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast... Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums. Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage of everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder. Because if you don't find us, we will find you. I'm Kevin Rowe. I'm Al Day. And we're a couple of down-under pounders that co-host Rowe Day Dots, an action figure collecting podcast where we talk about, well, just about anything that tickles our fancy at any given moment. We're grumpy old men, and sometimes people get on our nerves, and when you get on our nerves, guess what? You get off the lawn. Get off my lawn, asshole! We also go on a little bit of a mission. We go back and we're grading every wrestling figure line that's out there. I'm talking LJMs. I'm talking Jacks. I'm talking Hasbros. Who doesn't like a little Hulkaplex? It's a Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast production found on the Shining Wizards Network. I'm Duke Bags. Kevin Rowe! And together we are the co-hosts of your Duke and Rowe. If you want to hear about some terrible wrestling shows, we got you covered. Well, we talk about good ones, too. We're currently talking about the death of Dungeons I know what we're fucking talking about. Sometimes we get uh, guest spots, like from the Taskmaster. I like to uh, I like to listen to the Year of Duke and Rope podcast. They're uh, funny guys. That uh, I like when they I like when they talk about the the, the Nards plows. I like Nards plows. That's uh, that's a good move. And uh, I like the Dungeon of Doom. You know, sometimes sometimes I, I call my butt the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Oklahoma. Let me tell you a little bit about my favorite wrestling podcast. All right. It's a podcast for two men. Two men, Duke Banks, Kevin Rowe. They talk about professional wrestling. It's a man's sport. All right? And who better to talk about a man's sport than Duke Oklahoma. And once in a while, Vince Russo stops by. Oh, you piece of shit! If you're not listening to your Duke and Rowe podcast in the back with the boys, you piece of 
shit, I don't know what you're doing. It's, uh, you gotta slide one in there. If you're a man, if you're a man, you're talking about something only a man can do. You're talking about sliding one in there. Bro, take the time to slide one in there. Alright, bro, you piece of shit. Slide one in there. A Gorilla Brain Wrestling podcast production that you can find on the Shining Wizards Network. And we are back. That was our commercial for the Shine Wizards Network, which we are part of. So please check out all those great shows. And after you're done that and you're like, hey, I want to give Ryan and friends some money. What I would suggest going to do is going to Pro Wrestling Tees slash Mark Order Pod and go buy yourself one of our shirts. We have four. They're beautiful. Please go buy them. If you don't, I'm going to be very mad. Um, So... Please go buy shirts. And if you're watching, you see I have it pulled up. I have, we have four designs. I forget what they all are. One of them has them on the back or something like that. But they're lovely. I'm not the best salesman. Um, but go spend some money. Pro Wrestling Tees slash Mark Order Pod. I believe there's a sale going on right now because it popped up when I signed on. So uh, let's see. Is there a sale? Take 20% off for March Madness. So guys, get your 20% off. And go buy, see, popped up again. And go buy all four shorts, shirts, please. Multiple copies, pairs of all four shirts. That's what I would prefer. Good, great, grand, wonderful. Thank you. Okay, that was my sales pitch. I'm not as good as the others, but we'll see. Um, want to say hello, SJ. Popped in the chat while we were yeah. on Kidner's show. I guess I'll start the show. I'll start my hosting duties, which I am not good at. Just um, We start the show in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. Uh, with yes. Hangman Adam Page walking out. He's got one crutch. Not two, just one. So he's doing his limp thing, and he gets to the ring. And he, and he and he's going to cut a pro- give us a status update on where he's going for Revolution. They, they had warned us, so this wasn't a surprise. And he said, you know, winning the title was always very important to him. And he, he, he thought that this should have been a one-on-one match, but he had the wrong two guys picked insinuating. It should have been him, but unfortunately, you know, and then out comes Shane Swerve Strickland and Strickland basically is like, Hey, I don't really like you, but I respect you based off all the stuff we've been doing to each other the last six months. Cause they've been beating the hell out of each other. And it's a, this cute little moment. And, and that would have been fine, except then you hear Samoa Joe's music. And uh, Samoa Joe comes out and starts insulting them. He he calls Hangman, I believe, Hop Along. And yes. says, oh, they both look hungry, but the only reason they're hungry is because he's starving them. Um, and there won't be meals come dinner time, which was a great line. And, you know, gives his promo. And then Strickland comes on and gives me an awesome like like an awesome cap to his promo, which was I was let go, released. I went from release to main eventing pay-per-views. I am the same, but I, and and I forget, he said something else good. But he goes, but I'm also the same guy that went to a gym and beat up an 18-year-old kid. I'm also the guy that broke into someone's house and threatened the safety of their child. Do not listen to who I am. And it's just perfect because it is gives you a hint like, He's not denied, like he's going face. It's so blatantly obvious that's what's happening. 
but he's not denying what's in his past. He's still saying, I am this crazy guy who did all this stuff. But right as soon as he's done talking or about to be done talking, Hangman hits him with the crutch. Hangman was faking, damn it. And so Hangman beats him up with the crutch. And, of course, Hangman then's like, you know, you're not going to be champion. I'm going to be champion. All that jazz. So Hangman's gone full heel at this point. And, and then away we go. Uh, what'd you think, Kyle? Well, for a long time, I really wasn't sure that this was a proper double turn because AEW has played with shades of gray and characters and guys who, who flirt with that line because of their obsession over an opponent or a title or an accolade or what have you. And I wondered if this might be that because especially members of the elite have been willing to engage in that type of storytelling. But tonight it was okay. This is, this is clearly a double turn at this point. This is clearly hangman going full psycho heel and swerve going almost anti-hero. Like, I, I, I don't think he's ever going to be confused with the white hat uh, type, but the peep, but it is you cannot deny how much the people are behind him. Um, yeah, Swerve gave a fantastic promo. Uh, it, yeah, the the stuff about an unemployed debating pay per views. Uh, it was a, I, I was a cruiserweight, and now I'm fighting for the heavyweight title. Um, yeah, just all the things. Um, and yeah, the, the, this just worked for me. Uh, Samoa Joe getting mic time is always going to be a plus in my book because I, I'm not sure if you can still call him an underrated talker or not. I don't think, I think once you've been given an announcer's job, you've kind of lost that. I, yeah, he never, he's, he's never a guy that seems to get mentioned with like the best promo guys in the business or anything like that. But the man always delivers when he gets the mic, he is short, succinct to the point. And you always believe every word out of his mouth. Like he delivers it. He gives it such great emphasis. It's just, it's just excellent to listen to him on the microphone. And I'm enjoying that. We're getting that in this feud, which is fantastic. Um, Hangman going completely off the deep end uh, and swerve, just uh, looking to capitalize on it. And uh, I, I don't know if we're going to dedicate any specific time to actual predictions for Revolution, but I'll but I'll throw one out, and it's Joe's and it's Joe retains after Hangman and Swerve just obliterate each other. So we won't uh, just we won't be uh, tonight. I think you know we're not trying to go four hours, um, but I don't mind if you if you want to give a prediction after. Something like that, please feel free because I, you know, I do that all the time. Uh, because I don't think that I think Swerve wins, I think it's his moment in time. I think you hear that crowd, they're ready for him, and I actually think it makes that hangman turn better that he couldn't stop Swerve from getting his belt. I think it'll drive him insane, which I love. I think Joe is an underrated talker because he's a killer in the ring, and I think a lot of times those guys don't get credit for being the talkers they are when you're able to walk out and say nothing and still tell like that over i think that just means we don't need to hear you talk even though you're good at it um big g commenting what part of breaking into his home equals respect yeah i'm not sure but we're just gonna have to roll with it um 
it's it it is the awkward thing of when wrestlers turn face after they've been healed, but they've been like really big bastards of heels that you have to kind of forgive and forget all the terrible things they did. I I think I remember that portion of the interview. I don't th- I don't remember Swerve actually saying he respects Hangman the person, but that he respected Hangman's accomplishments. Um, hold on, I actually have it. Hold on, I can find it. Uh, that's what I thought I remembered hearing, but I was again, again, I was also taking notes, so I might have been off on that. No, no, no. He said it, 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 to say he doesn't respect him would be a, fl- a flat out lie. So he does indicate that he respects Hangman. Okay. Um, because of all of his comp- accomplished, but you have to respect me. But again, when a guy goes face after being heel, and especially that level of heel. You, you have to kind of just forgive and forget because it'll never make sense. Which is why I'm, I don't think we we don't need to get into this fully. But I'll give my a little. It's why certain topics don't work well for wrestling heels, like the more serious ones. Because if the person, because in wrestling, people go face all the time, and you're supposed to fully cheer for them at that point. And if this guy has just been the worst person alive for the last three years. It's very hard. Like it just doesn't make sense to do that transition. So you gotta be like, they push their boundaries with, with swerve, but because it was almost so insane what he was doing, like breaking into home, the child thing, like, cause that's almost so insane. People are like, all right, I can move up past that. But like, you know, forgive and forget, I guess. Cause I, I like I said, I think he's went. He is those, that crowd was chanting that for him because then if he wins, he gets the belt. You, you've capitalized on his his heat, his, his momentum, what you need. You have Hangman could just break mentally that his biggest rival just won the belt and he couldn't stop it. And Joe could break because, and you should have sort of pin Hangman. So then Joe can break because he never lost. He didn't lose. Hangman lost for him. So then you could have a Hangman Joe feud out of that. Except reverse positions where Hangman's the heel. I mean, I wouldn't complain about any of this. Like, I've got my prediction in as Joe retains because of mutually assured destruction, but I would not hate anything that you laid out. That would be a lot of fun, too. That's what I'm going to enjoy about this main event with these three guys. I would be okay with any one of these three walking out the champion. You can have some fun stories to tell with all of them coming out of this match with the belt. Agreed. Um, so after that, we have just a quick little young bucks walking into the arena. They walk in, say hi to Renee, but they're looking for Sting to give him his exit interview. Nothing special here, just a good line. They have their white baseball bats to you know counteract the black baseball bat. Then we go into the BCC, everyone but Yuta, versus Eddie Kingston and FTR into one hell of a trios match, which I think everyone expected. I mean, this was what they, you know, there's a lot of false finish, finishes, moments where BC season control, moments where Kingston and FTR are in control. What I liked about, before, you know, let me go. So I was almost going to say my opinion, but I'm going to hold through the match. So again, you have a lot of back and forth. It ends with Kingston being... Well, I don't want to say tapped out, choked out by Danielson. Um, 
in by a triangle choke and Danielson was looking at Kingston with such disrespect in his eyes. It, it's actually impressive the way he manages to convey that. So you have the BCC beating FTR and Eddie Kingston. You have FTR looking kind of like not annoyed, just disheartened um, and BCC looking smug. So before I give my thoughts, what'd you think of the match and any spots you want to call out? Oh man, this was, uh, I, I had this at around 22 minutes. Like this was, uh, I don't want to say a marathon necessarily in, in, a, in a bad way or a good way, but it's, it was longer than I expected, which is a great thing. I, more time in the ring with these six guys is always going to be a blessing. Uh, lots of little stuff in this uh, that, 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 I, that I pointed out. Um, uh, starting right from the get-go where they talk, where uh, you had commentary talking about how Danielson, Mox, and Claudio would have the advantage over Eddie and FTR because... Danielson, Mox, and Claudio are used to working with each other as a trio and, you know, are, are tight as where while FTR is super tight as a tag team unit, Eddie Kingston is not. And uh, I think one of the things had Shivani say something to the effect of like uh, FTR does not travel in the same circles as Eddie Kingston. And really nobody travels in the same circles as Eddie Kingston and, you know, getting over that loner aspect of him. Um, so I love that they mentioned that. I wish more promotions would lean into that. Uh, you hear a lot of lip service paid to it on commentary at different places, but I, I, a lot of times you don't see them actually walk that walk where you have a established tag team beat to, you know, high level singles guys. Because to me, that's to me that should work. It should work that way more often than not. If you are a tag team and you are tag team specialists you should have the advantage and you should win more often than not against thrown together guys, no matter how up the card they are. But that's always, but that's the way I've always thought. And a lot of promotions don't think that way. And that's, it is what it is. It's just a difference of, of uh, philosophy. Um, uh, Brian, Brian stalling right away uh, and tagging out and tagging of all people, Claudio, who Eddie might hate more than he hates Brian. Like that, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, I had a couple others, but I um, I can go into whatever. Well, I mean, I'm with you on established teams should always beat makeshift teams nine times out of ten. Obviously, there's always rare exceptions, but I, I think that's what makes tag teams special. That's what I think you could have, you know, Osprey and Omega, or you know, whatever way you want to say it, versus FTR, and no one will argue that Osprey and Omega aren't the better individual, more established, but they should always, always lose to FTR. It's just until Osprey and Omega go out and form their team through, you know, blood and fire. But that's a whole different. I agree with you. Um, I liked, I liked how everyone in this match seemed to have a feud with someone else than than their primary feud at the moment. Um, Kingston had an issue with everyone on BCC, which is hilarious if you really think about it. He's feuding with Brian. He's feuding with Cla uh, Claudio. I mean, he hates Claudio. And he's had his love-hate relationship with Mox. It's everyone in that match. He's, he's, he's had a relationship with FTR. Their, their primary people have been um, Claudio and Mox. But there's there's still something there with... they were There was moments with, with Danielson in them where like there was a little bit of whatever's going on so it, it's just a very good storytelling i did appreciate 
when I fit, I'm sorry if I'm using the wrong person, but I think it was Eddie delivered some very explosive suplexes and uh, Excalibur said, Oh, looks like they learned from June Akiyama or, you know, in honor of Taz goes from who <laughs> mad. Cause it's his move. Uh, so I thought that was just like yeah. a nice little, it, it, it furthers everyone's story. I, I don't know. TR should beat Claudio and, and Mox. I just fully agree with that. They are the better established team. Claudio Mox, I don't think they're long for this world as a team, so why have them win? I don't know where I fall on the Danielson-Kingston thing. Again, I we talked about earlier, I have issues that the three titles are tied up in this feud. But if we're just going to talk about the Continental title, there's something to be said to having it on Danielson. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is going to be all three titles as part of the crown that's going to be on, that's going to be on the line. So I... Uh, I got to think Kingston retains because I don't see Brian Danielson spending any time in ROH, which makes me sad. I won't lie, but uh, it would be a lot of fun to have one last late day Brian Danielson ROH world title run, but we're probably not going to get that. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I could see him really wanting to reestablish that belt. I could, I could see him saying, if you're going to give it to me, I'm going to defend the crap out of it in this last year that I have. Could be wrong. I could be optimistic, but I could if of all the people I could see him being the one being like, Oh no, I'm defending this regularly. I, I would be thrilled. I, I would like to have a champion. I would like to have a series of champions that show up on ring of honor with some regularity outside of Athena, but we don't need to relitigate that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if anyone shows up. I, I don't think you know. I, oh, I, I did have, I did have, I did have one more from this match that it just occurred to me that I just remembered. Uh, okay. the, Dax and as Cash somewhat, but especially Dax is well known as a Bret Hart guy. Always has been. Right. And then, but during the course of this match, Claudio and Mox hit Dax with the heart attack. Like that's. I don't know if that was intentional, but I I see and appreciate that. Like, just a big middle finger to Dax. It could. Be, I mean, I think so. I mean, you look at their gear, their their heart influenced all that stuff. So I, I could definitely see that being a a nice little only for the fans who know, but fun for those that do. I wouldn't have picked it up, I'll be honest, but I could see that being the the case. Afterwards, we go to. Uh, Chris Jericho talking with Renee Paquette about his upcoming match with Atlantis Jr., basically just giving some backstory that when Jericho went to Mexico when he was a kid, you know, like early 20s, uh, Atlantis Sr. really helped him out, got him going. So this is kind of a way of repaying it by bringing his kid into 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 Dynamite America. I mean, it's, listen, it's a throwaway match, but it's a nice story, and I don't mind that they're doing stuff like this. Nothing, I... One of the biggest problems I have, I don't know when it started, because I don't remember this from when I was a kid watching Raw or Nitro, but somewhere along the way, every match started to to need to matter far beyond just being the match in front of you. And I can remember matches on Raw and, Dine and, and Nitro just being a match. 
you knew they were a throwaway. You knew they weren't going to matter. But they were just a match that was fun for the moment you were watching them. Yeah. And I don't know when that changed where people are like, no, this, like, well, where's this guy? This is going to go nowhere. Like, no, it's not going to go anywhere. But it's just a fun thing with CMLL. I don't know. I Stuff like that always, people get really upset about it. I'm like, I remember this used to happen all the time. I, I grew up, I, again, uh, I remember that as well. And also, I have no room to talk about wanting a story in a match anyway, because, I, because I'm an ROH guy. And for the first two or three years of their existence, at least, and probably for a significant while after that as well, there was very little story behind much of anything that happened in ROH. There was a whole lot of Gabe Sapolsky thinks this might be a fun idea to have for a match. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and that was it. So, yeah, like, yeah. No, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, you, like, I like, I agree with, like, I like matches. I mean, I like story in the majority of my matches, but sometimes the story can just be that you have a match. And it's just a fun thing because it is, you know, you look at fighting, you look, you look at anything, you know, there's, there's throwaway segments of a TV show. There's throwaway fights in the UFC, like. You can have things that don't have longer meaning that are just there for that moment. Uh, but that's just me going on a little bit of my my high horse that I don't usually get on. So then we come back, and Tony Schiavone's in the ring. And it was kind of... I mean, the whole segment, the segment I'm about to describe is great. The only thing I'm going to say is weird how we, they started by they're making it official, and this is the yeah. official... I'm like, this was official like two months ago. Maybe uh, the best I can figure is that they meant uh, he can now officially be here full time as opposed to splitting time or being in Japan or something like that. And it was just phrased poorly. That's the best I can figure. And that's probably a judicious interpretation. So, I mean, but that I'm with you on that, but it just felt weird. But so Osprey will, he introduces Will Osprey, his first, his first, uh, into into uh, AEW as an official AEW signed competitor, not as in New Japan. Comes out giving a he's sight calls himself Kermit after leg day because he's wearing all green tracksuit. Uh, yeah. He's he's just having a real fun time. Uh, then he just casually mentions Callus and like Joe Hendry and TNA. You say his name and he appears. Uh, Don Callis walks out with the Cal uh, with the Callis family, and Callis comes out and says, "You know, this Sunday, we're you know the Callis family stronger than ever. This is who we have, and this Sunday, we have the best you know the best wrestler in the world versus well, I forget what he called Takeshita. Um, he, he had a similar moniker for Takeshita." But you know these two are going to go at it, and either way, doesn't the mat the, the result doesn't matter because the winner is going to be the Don Callis family, and it seems like for Don Callis the outlook doesn't matter based on the looks Takeshita and and Osprey were giving each other. They very much care who's going to win because you could tell that they were not not quite happy with each other. They were they were in the moment, and Callis is trying to smooth it over. The crowd starts chanting heavily for Osprey. I mean, it was actually kind of impressive. And then Callis, God bless this man, caught on and tried to work to Keshta in, which was genius. It was the best. It popped me good. 
<laughs> so obviously you have this match on Sunday. I think we all have Callis. I mean, not we have uh, Osprey winning, but though think about it, I could have to catch the win with cheating. Something to consider, but either way we have Cal, you know, the Callis family. What'd you uh, think of Will Osprey's first moment as a full time, as he said, AEW wrestler? It was a lot of fun. Uh, he genuinely felt like uh, he was just uh, thrilled to be there, and it came off in the way he uh, presented himself. And you know, it seemed like he was uh, having a great time, which is always fun to see. And that that's infectious. You feel that as a viewer. You feel that as somebody who's watching and listening. Um, Osprey, <laughs> he did get to mention that. Uh, he and his wife spent 10 days in Barbados or something like that after he wrapped up with, with New Japan. And I said this on Twitter, and if you watched his last match in New Japan, you would understand why he needed 10 days in Barbados. Uh, for those who are unaware, his last match in New Japan was part of a 10-man tag uh, Tornado's Rules cage match. Basically uh, war games. Yeah, essentially. It was war games with the United Empire and the Bullet Club War Dogs. Uh, it went for over an hour. I want to say it was about an hour ten or thereabouts. And ended with Osprey, uh, his team getting decimated, and him just getting destroyed by all five members of the War Dogs and going out on his shield and you know saying his farewell to New Japan. But it was... It was a brutal marathon of a match, and I would need at least a 10-day vacation after that, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. That I, I did see that, and that was wild and bloody. And realistically, for the match that... Uh, but to me, it felt like out of, out of character almost for a New Japan match that I've seen recently. Like, I know they, you know, they have some past stuff, but it just was so insane. Um... Well, it, it did what a lot for the War Dogs in that capacity, though. Well, which I which I really appreciate. I mean, you had you know, the War Dogs are they're they're a really good tag team that need, but they need to be pushed, especially with all the talent now not in it, New Japan. Uh, yeah. So my question must what what I have for you is. I saw online. My, my theory has always been, and I'm going to hold this theory true until, until it doesn't happen, that Callis, that Takeshita supports, um, there starts to be a rift between Osprey and Callis and the Callis family. After the Takeshita match starts to go rough, Fletcher starts to be a little rough. They start to mistreat Fletcher. Osprey and Mark Davis step in. Osprey says, "No, these are my boys. United United Empire." We're fighting cows. They get there some way. Doesn't matter how you get there. You get there either to start. I think it's start. I don't think it happens with it to catch the match, but I think it starts there. You start to see the rips. And I think Fletcher, when, if he's able to come back with his, with his visa, that's where it continues. Um, but I saw online some people not wanting Osprey with United Empire. They want him on his own. They're worried that he'll be hampered by being with the United Empire. What are your thoughts? I'm not sure I see that at all. I, I don't think they affect Osprey's star power. If anything else, uh, 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 factions for a long time have always been a way to to accentuate that. 
Um, I have no idea what kind of timetable Kyle Fletcher is looking at. Hopefully it's not super long because he is currently the ROH world television champion and he's got a ready-made feud with Ethan page waiting for him whenever he comes back. But, uh, Mark Davis, uh, broke his wrist back in early October. So my assumption is without knowing anything or having sources or hearing anything, my assumption is that Davis will be back fairly soon probably within the next month or so if i had to guess but to me it's just a natural move and it's uh, an easy way to get fletcher and osprey away from the don Callis family and honestly you'd have a blast of a six-man trios team too if you i don't think you want to put osprey in the trios division necessarily but i oh man just well, just that goes to so me. That's fun. the problem with the trios division at the moment. Um, first, Joe, Asian Joe, just want to say you watched segment and wondered what it must be like to, to be Osprey and to know you're arguably the best wrestler in the world. I mean, I know that I'm the best at everything I do, so it is a really cool feeling. So, yeah, Joe, some of us just we just get it, but the trios, the, the, this goes back to my issue with the trios division in general. You have if the trios division, division was taken seriously with like dominant factions and, and amazing feuds and and to the point where like jay white and the guns having the trios titles well they don't have them but i i want them to have them so let's have them win. jay white's in the trios division but have them winning the titles is not seen as like what are they doing but seen as like oh my god like white's got a belt they're kicking ass this is like a huge deal then you put osprey and the ue in there because it's a way to use them but until you take it that seriously it doesn't help anyone wanted to throw away yeah. belt it does nothing i saw uh, uh i believe it was lyric uh uh lyrics went on on social on uh twitter tonight that said something to the effect of after the trios match to start the show tonight uh put trios belts on claudio danielson and mox and let them just run roughshod over everything like uh like okada tanahashi and ishii in new japan Okay, that sounds like some fun. We could we that could be a, that could be a way to get everything serious again. Yeah, I mean the, the sad part is, I actually really you know I think you could. I'm I'm a guns fan, so I that out of context. But I, I, if you took if you took uh, Jay White and Johnson, you booked them properly. I think you could make them a very awesome trio because you have legitimately one of the best in the world in Jay White. Two much improved wrestlers for a lot of fun, and you could have. A trio worth watching now truthfully that that whole thing was kind of thrown off because you could have had finn in there and that that there's but you're right you know if you have osprey and if you have say claudio danielson and you have the bcc and they're feuding with everyone then they start to feud with the ue for the trios and then they're feuding with um blanking you know the elite we're gonna go back I believe it's a whole different story now, but we're just going to go back because but there's other teams out, you know, or the beast, the, the bang, bang, gang, but taken seriously. All of a sudden you start to have like a lot, you know, you're using up six wrestlers at a shot for one feud. And it's the feud everybody wants to see. And you could do individual matchups during that feud. You can do a whole lot of things. But right now it's such a throwaway that they're just not making use of it. And, and so, to me, hearing like, oh, and I'm not just arguing you, I get people's fear because if you put in um, 
Osprey with UE. If you have the United Empire, the fear is, oh, they're going to go into trios and go nowhere, kind of like Jay White. And it's like, that sucks because it doesn't have to be that way. It can be I, such a legitimately yeah. awesome division. I think you can have a three-person faction uh, without resorting to instantly putting them in a trios division. I, I, If we're presuming that the Young Bucks do beat Darby and Sting, and Sting does the time-tested thing of going out on his back, uh, I, imagine... Imagine Aussie Open against the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Titles. I, I you know, no, absolutely. I, I mean, yes. I completely, I, I completely agree. You don't need to do just because a guy's on the, you know, you're a trio doesn't mean you have to be in the trios. You know, Osprey could be going for single school while the UE's going for, um, going for tag titles. Which is another thing. The guns could be going for tag titles as Switchblade goes for singles. But my point being, if you have a built-up trios division that people take seriously and actually care about, then people want those three things. Want those guys to be operating as three. They, they're, you know, you look at like I always say, it's a six-man trios. Doesn't matter. You look at Shane Taylor Promotions back in ROH. You're an ROH guy. They were dominant and they were a big deal. Yeah. And when you know their feud with the um was the righteous right that that yes. that they were feuding with was like that mattered that was a thing people cared about that like Shane Taylor was getting over on the tr on the six man division yes like you can make it a thing where it's like this is the, the but I the thing about wrestling the thing that always bothers me about any of this is the truth about wrestling is anything can be. If you make it feel important, if you push it as if it's important, it will become important. Yes. They're just not doing that. Uh, they're, they're not pushing the trios as important. They're, they're starting to push tag again, which is nice. Uh, but they're not pushing trios, which is, which is a shame because you have a bunch of trios out there that could work. I'm blanking on them now because I'm putting myself on the spot. But trust me, when I, I think of throwing them like and a variety of trios, like a variety of different levels of trios wrestlers. I mean, you have uh, you have top flight with um, Akshay Andretti. You have yes. uh, Penta if Ray Phoenix is able to wrestle. You know, whatever he's back to able to wrestle Penta Ray and whoever they want to throw in as their third. If Pac is able to ever wrestle. You know, you have all these guys that could come in. You have the the um, House of Black. You have these awesome things. That you like, and here's my thing: if you have the House of Black versus the Bull Bull Club Gold, for uh, again, I know they're the six man, but I have a feeling they're going to take the title eventually away from the claim. Like that's just where I see it going. But say you have, but I also want the Bullet Club Gold because they fit the thing I'm I'm saying right now. If you have the House of Black versus the Bull Club Gold, yes, you can have some awesome tri trios matches that you should have for the belts. But then you can also, for the hell of it. Have some singles matches between I don't know Buddy Matthews and Jay White, Malachi and Jay White. Like you could, you could have some fun stuff there. So like, and and, and so like I just, you know, or or you you know, you go to the, the House of Black versus the United Empire when it when it's healthy, and you can have your tag matches of Brody versus Fletcher and Davis. Brody and Buddy versus Fletcher and Davis. My God. And you have 
Osprey versus Malachi Black. Just, oh, just, goes, just, just goes just go singles, uh Brody versus Mark Davis. Mm-hmm. Wanna talk about meat matches. There you go. Yeah, and then they have their all three together match. And that's how you tell a story. So, like, you don't have to do that every time where you have to break it out, but you can. So it's just a real shame to me that they don't. I think that everyone talks about this bloater roster and they have so many people. And I think you have this gift there. You have two gifts, really. You have the tag division and you have your trios division. And you're not using, you're starting to use tag again, but you're not using trios for which, what it really could be for, which is to completely take care of this bloater roster. Because the advantage, too, is also, hi, Jesse Ozak. I see you in there. I don't want to be rude because we always stop the show for Jesse. Um, the trios, too, is like, Say Jay White. We'll use Jay White because he's in the trios division right now. And and he's he's killing it in the trios. He's not just a sideshow. He's killing it in the trios. And all of a sudden, someone gets hurt, and you need a singles guy to be able to just step in and be the main guy. Well, you've already built up Jay White. He just has to leave that, you know, like it it, it gives you the freedom. I, I It's a – what a waste. Yeah. That's, that's just yeah. my and, – And I uh, – to get back to your original point, because I helped uh, lead you off track here a little bit, I think um, – but yeah, I, I don't see an issue with putting Osprey there. Uh, I feel like, yes, there are potential concerns, but let's not put the cart before the horse. This is a natural, obvious way to contextualize why Will Osprey's a big deal. Give Aussie Open something to do, something directed and focused to do on screen, and you know, give everybody a natural transition. Yeah, and you know, while I'm going to go a little out of order. But it's because I'm harping on this point. We do have an interview with Switch with the Bang Bang Gang and uh, the Scissor Gang, the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. And Jay White says that he was not sure about this, but they seem to be doing really good together. Uh, and that maybe they should wrestle as a team on ramp, uh, on collision. A little bit of a joke about who's who's wrestling in what order. Uh, then there's, of course, a joke about Max Caster being like, hey, did anyone notice my my rap? And it's like, dude, just shut up at this point. You, you're just, you just let it die. Um, but again, everyone here knows the point is that they want to split this team up. Like everyone essentially can feel it out. This is a gathering of the families to split them up. And I think it's to, to have the Bang Bang Gang take the titles eventually from the acclaimed. I just wanted to be there already. Yeah, at, at this point, I wouldn't be averse to them just unifying the ROH six-man titles and the AEW trios titles. Just unify them and be done with it because the trios divisions in both shows are kind of faltering as a result of it. And just, yeah, I, I'm good with this. Let the Bang Bang Gang do their thing and then see where it goes from there. Yeah, I just it, it it's a shame. It, it's holding both ups, both up. The acclaimed, I'm not insulting the acclaimed. They had they've had a, a great run. It feels like they've done everything you can do. Probably, I'm I'm not opposed to letting them not splitting them up because I'm like I like what the new day did, which is we didn't split up. We just kind of went our own ways, and we're still together, and we still support each other. But our guys allowed to go wrestle singles, and this you know like I'm okay with that. Um, so we'll see. And Jesse, my background is actually the Eagles draft room. 
uh, because if you don't know, we traded Kate today, and I think we're getting her back for next week, but this is a trade, and, and I was in the draft room talking with my teams to figure out what we want to do. So anyway, even though I was out of order, we, we went before I got out of order. There was a match between, I think it was announced today. I don't remember this being announced before today. Uh, Nick Wayne versus Orange Cassidy for the AEW International Championship, which is really just be, I'm not suggesting another name change because it's already had one. But if they were to ask me again, I would just call it the AEW Open Championship. Because like he just takes open challenges constantly, and I love it. But that's basically what the belt is. You have a, a hell of a match between Nick Wayne and Orange Cassidy. I mean, it's just insane to think that Nick Wayne's only eighteen. A lot of fun commentary on figuring out who's whose dad and who would like what. Um, the story being that Orange is very beat up, and then Orange's friends are all beat up. Uh, Orange Cassidy does end up winning with the Orange Punch. And then after the match, he gets beat up by Broderick Strong until the best friends come to make the save. So before I we go anywhere, who is Nick Swing's daddy and what does he do? Uh, well, his current metaphorical daddy. I, I should have stressed metaphorical. Would, would be the patriarch, the AEW TNT champion, Christian Cage. Because as Christian has helpfully pointed out, Nick Wayne's actual father, dramatic pause, is dead. Done. Oh my god. So, I mean, I hate to give the generic what you think of the match, but this, to me, I, if I'm wrong, please correct me. I think this was a last minute addition. I actually think Nick Wayne and Orange Cassidy styles worked really well together. Uh, anything stick out to you or uh, I I didn't catch a lot of spots in this one uh, I was I don't I legit don't remember what I was doing instead I was probably just typing notes or other things or looking up factoids or this or that but uh, it was a tremendous match uh, as you'd expect uh, Orange Cassidy you can't say he's really underrated as a performer anymore because he's been putting on these on these bangers just match after match after match for a couple of years now. Uh, Nick Wayne's got a really bright future ahead of him. It's it's ridiculous just how how good he is at this age. It is absolutely yeah. absurd. Um, but that being said, uh, I could stand to see him in the ring more. Uh, this is his first singles match on AEW television since November. That strikes me as a problem. So, I bless you. I I uh, I know if you're coughing or sneezing, you just did your thing in the coughing in the side. And I am not professional. I call that out because I think it's fun. Because <laughs> um, I do it too, and I'm like, someone's going to call this out. But anyway. I also, hello, Lieutenant Colonel Photo. Uh, I'm with you. I, I would like to see more of him. There's no argument there. He's he's too good of a wrestler not to be. He is benefiting. He, But the only difference is at his age, it's not the worst thing in the world that he's taking a step back and learning 
the ins and outs of just being on TV all the time. Yes, would he benefit from learning more on TV wrestling? Probably. But I'm sure it doesn't hurt to be just in and out TV all around. In and around TV, I should say. He is a lot of fun to to watch wrestle. And I you're like you said, I, I don't know how someone at 18, I don't think I was good at anything at 18. I mean, I don't think I'm not good at anything now. I know I said I was perfect earlier, but you know, for being legitimate. Uh he he just is far and away one of the best young wrestlers in the world. I don't think there's a debate. Where he's gonna have to where I think what I think this this is doing for him that I think would be a struggle without it is character. He he at eight I, I the few times I heard him on the mic, he wasn't bad, but I wouldn't have called him great. He just was that rough 18 that a lot of these people you learn when they go out and they, they, they cut, you know, as they go, unfortunately for him, he's thrown fortunately, unfortunately, but fortunately for him, he's thrown right in front of the big TV right off the start. So, you know, he didn't have that, but he, um, he, you know, he, he gets to learn from that, but can I, I'm going to be honest. This is, he is someone, I love him on AEW TV. I think he's great. I don't, he would be perfect in ROH. Let's just be perfect. He'd be a great TV or pure division wrestler in ROH. Like, let's like that's what he is made for. And it's a shame that that's, it's not a shame. This story is too perfect. So he's nailing it. Once this story is over, that's where, where they should put him. Cause that is to me what he's made for. Uh, I, I wanted Nick Wayne in ROH, I was talking about this before he debuted that when he turns 18 ROH would be a perfect landing spot for him to get used to wrestling on uh, in a a televised format. Yes, it's on honor club, but the principle is still the same and a hundred percent. Yes. I don't think we're, I'm not sure we're getting that. Once this angle runs its course, I imagine it'll be the usual. He's too big a star to be featured on ROH, blah, blah, blah. But yes, I would loved, would have loved to see Nick Wayne in Ring of Honor. Yes. And I still, I think we still have a shot. I mean, of course we do because it's owned by the same company. So why wouldn't you? I think once this Christian story winds up, winds down, I should say, that would might be where he ends up to get. But if nothing else, he should be doing that anyway, just to get reps. Like, why can't you have him there now while you're while you're telling the story on main TV? That's a whole different discussion. But this match was awesome. I love the Daniel Garcia coming out because he's got this thing with Christian. Please give me Daniel Garcia versus Nick Wayne. That'd be amazing. Um, that, but and then you, of course you have the Orange Cassidy story, which is he. I mean, it's kind of a repeat of the story he told the first time he had the belt, which is he keeps getting beat up, except the difference here is, and I'm actually approving of this because I don't want, I didn't want to repeat story. The difference here is the first time he got beat up because of his own, I'd say, but his own stupidity or his own bravery, he just kept taking matches. And there's a little bit of that in this, but this time there's also very much an intentional attack against him from uh, the Undisputed Kingdom where they're coming out. They're hurting his friends. They're hurting him. So it is a little bit different that it's not the wear and tear of just match after match. Someone is coming after him, trying to hurt him. 
and I'm really enjoying that. I know it's not everyone's buying into this United uh, Undisputed Kingdom thing. I am because I like the story of Cassidy. I like, I know the bigger stories, Adam Cole and Wardlow in the title, but I love the sub story of Roderick Strong and Taven and Bennett versus the best friends. Like I actually think that's a legitimately awesome story going on right now and how they're tearing down the best friends. And I think it's going to lead to a trend, lead to a trend turn. That's a whole different story, but is there anything in, was there any move or anything in the match that stuck out to you? I mean, not really for me. I just thought it was good I, overall. But. I just, I just loved the utter chaos of the end of this match because you had the undisputed kingdom coming down to distract Orange Cassidy, then Daniel Garcia coming down to stop. I'm trying to get the order right because there are three or four moving pieces in the in the, in the ending and post match nonsense going on. Then Daniel Garcia coming down to stop Nick Wayne from whatever it was he was doing because Nick Wayne is related to Chris is Christian's son. Uh, and obviously their fight Garcia and Christian at Revolution. And then Daddy Magic is out there with Garcia because da- because he's Garcia's daddy. <laughs> you know. There was it was and oh and and somewhere in there, uh, Trent and Rocky Romero were down trying to fight off the undisputed eras or undisputed uh, kingdom as well. And you had about a half dozen guys around ringside at, at, by the end of this, and it was just nonsense. And I'm kind of here for for it. I love uh, gang wars. Over, uh, I I don't know what. Uh, Chuck's injury situation is looking like right now. I assume that's what I've been, that's why I've heard is the deal is that why he's not doing anything. He's hurt with something or other right now. But if we're really going to do best friends and the undisputed kingdom uh, one, I think Roderick takes the title at at revolution. Uh, I think you need to do something to pay off this angle a little bit Uh, Two. Can we get, even if it's a one-off, if we can get Chuck healthy, can we get the best friends of Chuck and Trent against uh, the kingdom in a t- ROH tag title match? That'd be fantastic. I would love this. It would be. I don't see it happening. I don't know when Chucky's coming back. It seems like it's. It seems like they almost re-injured him to extend his timeout. Um, I think we've been sowing the seeds of Trent turning for a while now, too with his dirty looks and his anger and his aggression, not dirty looks, but his just looks and his anger and aggression. I think he's going to be very bitter that orange Cassidy has been the star and protecting orange has gotten him hurt and stuff like that. So I, I, I think I could be wrong, but I think that's where they're going with it. Um, yeah. I don't know if like, uh, I think it was one LT saying Trent turns, on OC to give Roddy the win. I don't know if it happens with a turn to give Roddy the win, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happens this weekend as part of the whole story. I don't know if he, if he turns to give Roddy or as he's helping Orange Cassidy up after a tough loss. Just gives him, you know, the old puncher hitter. I'm thinking of a hit from behind that they all do, where it's a boom. Um, or- or, or, or the or the old or the old short clothesline out of you know raising the arm or something and then yeah so it's a classic it is a classic for, and for a reason for good reason uh so then we move if my 
what I get for uploading all that notes to a PDF. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Um, I've got the. Uh, I'm. The bank I'm bank literally my computer's frozen. Huh? Yeah, I, I can. Okay. I can still hear you, but am I moving at all? You are not. At least not in my preview. All right. Well, at least That's you can hear good. me. I can hear you. So maybe we're going to go audio only for a hot second here. Here we go. Uh, what was it for that match? I'm, I'm sorry. The chat, I does, the, chat, the chat does say they can hear you. So there is that. So we're going to keep rolling through here. Um, I've gotten my notes, uh, Renee with the bang, bang scissor gang, which, which we, uh, we already talked about. Uh, then it goes right into Chris Statlander versus sky blue. Okay. All right. I, I'm, I am now, I'm not, I'm still first, but I have my notes up now on my phone. Um, so this was a, this, the beginning of this match was, uh, Chris Statlander dominating sky blue. It felt like, and then somewhere about midway through that turned. And then you had a back and forth match between sky blue and Chris Statlander that I thought was way more back and forth than I thought it was going to be. I thought Statlander was going to dominate a lot more, but at the end of the match, Stokely tries to get Statlander to cheat using a chain. Statlander refuses. Well, honestly, refuses. Uh, I'm back. Uh, I don't know what my computer did. Brit. So, um, that was weird. Weird you could hear me, but I couldn't. Whatever. Uh, At least it worked. Um, uh, uh, Jesse Ozog's got you in the chat. So that's what he gets for, for sandbagging you. I've been nice to you. <laughs> <laughs> been nice to you lately jesse how dare you letting let you he's catching strays in the chat yeah what the hell but as i was saying it wasn't statland that has it willow stepped in telling stokely no no we don't cheat that distracted the ref and distracted statlander and then as she turned around she gets hit with the title that sky blue had been given by julia then she hits the code blue for the win one, two, three, matches over. Sky Blue gets a big win over Statlander. Further dissension in the Statlander Willow Stokely life, which I think I tweeted out. I think Statlander's gonna blame Willow for this loss. I think that's where we're gonna go with it. Uh what did you think? Uh you'll... uh yeah, this was some fun stuff. Uh they they played with the the, the size and power discrepancy early. They had uh Sky try to jump Statlander off the bell and just get ragdolled for it so i i appreciated that as a as a fun way to 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 kick things off and give the face you know their little shine to to, to start the match uh and yeah this was just a, a story of chris's power versus uh sky's uh speed agility and cunning and it it played really well. I, I I loved the intensity we saw out of, out of Statlander that that I feel like we haven't necessarily seen in a in a little bit. So that was great to see. Um, they uh, credit to the producer or the director who had the shot uh, of Stokely with the, the the crazy look in his eye, offering the willow the chain or offering Stat the chain. Uh, as she's leaned up against the ropes, and you could see Stokely over the one shoulder, and you saw Willow over the other shoulder, both arguing yeah. for and against. And it was, 
it was very literal in that sense. And I, but I appreciated the co- the composition of the of that shot, and that was about as on the nose as you could get. But yeah, yeah that was the the, distra- the, dis- the distraction got. Uh, uh, I, I thought it was Julia that rolled in with the belt and hit her and rolled back out again. But I, in any event, she got hit with the belt, got hit with code blue, and that was enough to get the three count. Um, hopefully, Julia is healthy again soon. Uh, I believe the report I read from Fightful was that uh, it wasn't believed to be serious, but that she probably wasn't going to be cleared by the end of February. And it is the 28th that's a February is almost over. So hopefully this means Julia will be cleared soon. Um, yeah. And uh, sky goes up two to one on, in her series with Statlander. I think you're right. I like, I think stat blames Willow for this. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where we go from there. Cause you, you saw Willow face off against Julia Hart outside the ring as well. And I wonder if that's going to be something we're going to come back to with Willow as a TBS title challenger for, for uh, Julia at some point, maybe after we deal with this with stat and get through that. Agreed. I think you, I, you can see Willow and Julia had a stare down too. So you you have a whole lot of, whole lot of, whole lot of fun. That stare down was good. Um, After the match, do you have (laughs) the EVPs? Matthew and Nicholas walking through and they think they found Sting. So they bust open the door and it's just a bunch of hanging bets. Now I will I, I will acknowledge two things. I popped because I knew the callback. This was a callback from Sting's last promo on Nitro. But I also admit that if you didn't know the callback, that looked really cheesy. Both things can be true at the same exact time. They absolutely can. Uh, and I've, I saw a couple of people on social media say that it was kind of cringe and kind of cheesy that, and they, and when someone uh, informed them of the connection, they kind of doubled down on that impression. And if that's your case, then, you know, so be it. But uh, I, I appreciated the callback. Yeah. I, so, um, you know, it, it was, I, you know, at this point, it, we, this is literally Sting's last dynamite as a wrestler. I, you know, I don't believe it's. I think he'll probably pop in, pop out. But like, this is his last act of dynamite. Um, so, I think it's okay to to do callbacks. I think I think this this the, the goodbye thing. Huge, you're allowed to do it. So after that, we go to Atlantis Junior versus Chris Jericho. Um, unfortunately, Atlanta senior was with him. So I couldn't do my typical joke of, of, if you think Atlantis junior is good, you should see Atlanta senior. He was there. So stole my joke. Get dick. Um, Chris Jericho came out to music. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't Judas. It was, I guess, reminiscent of what he used when he was the Lionheart in, in Mexico. I believe it was white zombies, electric head part two. I'm not a music uh, he guy. Used, he used it in. I, I, I'm. I'm not certain he used it in Mexico because I didn't see any of his stuff from when he was in Mexico. But I know he used it in uh, ECW. Lieutenant Colonel Photo agrees that it was White Zombie. Um. So, that was neat to use something different. Uh. Almost wins. 
right off the bat with the wall to Jericho, but AJ got his uh, hand to the rope. The fourth match, uh, at times, Jericho was going for the mask, which was kind of weird. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Jericho ends up winning with the, with the walls of Jericho um, because Atlantis Jr., Threw in the threw in the towel for his young young Elena Senior. Sorry, threw in the towel to help his young boy out. What did you think of this match? Uh, it was it was a at, at its heart it was just a fun exhibition, which is about all you really expected it to be. Uh, I haven't seen as much of Atlantis Junior as I would like. I know he was in uh, World Tag League with New Japan this past year. Uh, and he did have a match that I've heard really good things about from uh, New Japan and uh, CML's Fantastic Mania uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm probably going to be watching that on New Japan World in a little bit here just because I haven't seen it yet. And he had a great match with Echicero that I that I, I think would be a lot of fun to watch given that I saw it tonight. Um, some, some cool stuff here, and I appreciated Excalibur uh contextualizing it for us like uh the top rope bulldog that looked absolutely brutal <laughs> that oh he didn't even come down flat that was he came down at an angle and that was rough uh uh atlantis using they uh, that uh backbreaker variant that his father passed down to him and of course and Jericho being able to counter it because if anyone would be able to counter it it would be Jericho who knew Atlantis senior who teamed with him who worked against him who you know in that capacity it's not like Jericho shrugging off some guy's finish because it's Chris Jericho and it's time for him to win it's it makes sense obviously he would know what this holds all about how to get into it how to get out of it and you know, and uh, and commentary even tried to protect Atlantis Jr. in the law, saying his dad knows what kind of a person and what kind of a competitor he is and knows that he would risk long-term injury because he would never tap out. So he had to, you know, and that makes a lot of sense, too. Plus, he has a title that if he that that was always the thing that I remember hearing from back in the day when I would watch uh, uh even back, even watching WWF in the '80s, you'd hear Gorilla Monsoon talk about champions and non-title matches, about how if they get injured, then that could jeopardize their title reign and the amount of money they can make off of it. And at, at this point, it's sad that's, enough. It, it's true, and, it, and it's and it's a similar concept here. Ultimately, Atlantis Junior. doesn't gain it, gain or lose much of anything by this match. He's already the historic World Light Heavyweight Champion, and if he gets injured in this in this throwaway match with Chris Jericho, what does that do to his title run and his status in CMLL? You know, I, that doesn't get said enough about uh, champions having a reason to almost lose a non-title match. Not lose, but give a little less. Um, I was going to point out, I did, I did appreciate commentary comments at the end, trying to put the kid back over, being like, hey... He was gonna he was gonna hold out until the end, and, and that's why the tail has to come through now. If you're watching, he tapped, but uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna say anything. The tail came through, and he started to tap. I noticed it, but I really wish they had that uh, Jericho had put on the old school line tamer. Yeah, he doesn't use that anymore. 
Uh, I thought against Atlantis Jr. that would have been a perfect thing to do, you know, because it's a little more upright. But, you know, I, listen, I'm glad he didn't go for a couple of the old moves he used to do because um, I was uh, I was not excited to see what kind of injury he may wind up with if he tried those. But th- this was nice. I, I'm so far enjoying the relationship between AEW and CMLL. Uh, I feel like it could have been, you know, AEW has a really great, uh, an obviously really great um, relationship with with the New Japan. So I, I their their relationships in Mexico before now had been a little bit weaker. They they have they had some with AAA, but they didn't have. It's been a lot less giving. This seems a lot more giving, a lot more like, you know. I don't know. Actually, how do I say that? She had Vic Kingo and stuff coming across. This seems a lot more official, I guess, the way I want to say it. Um, AAA was letting their guys come and wrestle, but this, they weren't, it didn't feel like they were, why I keep getting like all behind. Am I frozen again? God damn it. I caught up. Yeah, you caught up. Um, um, it, it it's tough. It never felt like it. AAA was like, "Hey, you can use our titles, our people, and, and whatever titles." But you, we weren't coming over. CMLL feels like it's much more like here we're coming over as CMLL. Like I don't I don't know if I'm expressing that right, but it just feels like I don't know. It's hard to express, but I've been, I want AEW to partner up with everyone, so I'm not complaining. Well, and and uh, and actually, we missed this during news and notes. I had completely forgot that this was a thing. Uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Insiders reporting that 19 luchadors. Uh, there's apparently a massive issue with some CMLL visas for working in the United States, uh, including Bolador Jr., Echicero, Mascara Dorada, all of whom have appeared on AEW television, as well as Blue Panther, Dulce Gardenia, El Sagrado. El Sagrado, El Suicida, Electrico, Espiritu Negro, Euphoria, Fugaz, Camilo Diablo, One and Two, Marico, a, a whole bunch of names. Soberano, all of them are expected to be impacted and unable to perform in the United States. So there's a major issue right now with a lot of CMLL talents being able to work stateside, including several that have been featured in pretty high places on AEW television. You know, I missed that completely today. Um, I'm reading it. Uh, as you're saying it, I was reading it. Now, you wonder, what always blows my mind about something like that, and I know this is kind of off topic, but it's, it's on topic, is like, apparently it stems from the, the, the original promotion that CMLL got their visas from. Is like a small Texas-based, and there, there's some issues with, with the way that was done and, and certain employees who are no longer with the company still had visas and stuff like that. But you would think that AEW, I know it's not WWE, but it's a major company and its owner is, is a billionaire. You think he would be able to go in and work visas out. Now, unfortunately, I guess our trade didn't stick because uh, we were 
They traded her back already. What the heck, man? We traded you. I mean, that's between you and Sean. I came in here helping out. I'm a free agent. Jesse Ozak's excited I'm here. Hi, Jesse. I, I, I apparently need to talk to Sean to figure out how he was able to trade my rights. I wasn't I wasn't aware that Sean had my rights. Sean is very powerful, it turns out. Uh, <laughs> apparently Sean has all um, wrestling podcaster rights. We just didn't know that. Some... He is a mogul. Uh, but yeah, I, we had I a, a I, good I... time over at Fight Club. And now I'm happy I... to hop on here. Yay. What's going on, fellas? What are we talking about? Wrestling? So yeah, we were talking. Yes, we were talking at wrestling. Uh, I'll, I'll, we'll stick with the one we were on, and then I have questions for you about other stuff throughout the night. The topic we were on was the CMLL wrestlers, nineteen of their luchadors not being able to have about to have their visas canceled. Yeah, uh, and I was just shocked that, like, again, Tony Khan's a billionaire with a B. You'd think well, like. So they're not canceled yet. There's an intent to cancel. Um, so Sean made it sound like it's not like it's going to happen tomorrow, uh, but it it's something that's in the work, but it's it's not something that couldn't be interfered with in the process. I also don't know how much of the rest of this angle is supposed to be happening in the United States. Like, I don't know how much of that matters. If the plan is Arena Mexico, the build might be more <laughs> like if, if it's well, we know Forbidden Door is now in New York, but if they're leaning to some arena show, they just trademarked the name Dynasty, right? Like, there's all these possibilities. But it feels like the some of the play is probably going to be to send American and New Japan talent there. Um, but it, it didn't sound like it was extremely imminent from what Sean said. That's not reported or anything. But it, it just sounds like that the cancellation process or trying to stop renewals or whatever is not something that happens, like, in a in a 24-hour time frame or anything like that. Yeah, because so, the, uh, the, Arena the Arena Mexico show is what, March 28th, 29th, end of March, right? Something in that neighborhood? Correct. Yeah, I think it's uh, the last weekend in March. So that's a month away, and that's Americans going there. Uh, but this is now a persistent issue, right? Kyle Fletcher is held up. Um, I know part of on the WWE side elimination chamber, like Gunther couldn't travel yet because his paperwork was what it was or whatever. So this is something that's consistent. They ran into that problem with New Japan talent, specifically tar stardom talent, I think, at the last Forbidden Door. So it's it's part of part of what happens when you actually have an open international wrestling landscape, realistically. But um, but yeah, so it's just okay. shocking that two companies as powerful as they are, with billionaires are owning them, even they run into these issues. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a paperwork issue. I don't know if it's a timing issue. Um, I, I don't know what that looks like because uh, I, don't, I don't know the reasoning behind it. But it is that is a, a confirmed report from Pro Wrestling Insider that broke earlier today. I think so. Okay. So cool. It, I, it's taking everything inside of me to not make a joke that would make us very popular in some circles. <laughs> do not, do not. Yes. It's not worth it. It's not um, so okay. We'll go. To, we're gonna go, let me go to where we were going, and then I have like I have questions for you because yeah. we we were actually towards the end of the show. We were at the the EVPs, 
did I I might have heard was it Shivani or Excalibur saying you can't even call them the Young Bucks anymore? But the EVPs walked out, Matthew and Nicholas, uh, to pick fights with fans. One of them ended up being Darby. Darby yeah. attacks him, but then he then he gets his ass kicked. Then Ric Flair comes out, and they seem like they're on the same side, but Ric Flair betrays them until he gets a low blow. And my God, were they being super gentle and soft with everything they did with him. Which they should. That's um, fucking sh- elder abuse. They should not be in the ring. <laughs> agreed. And then camera's being weird. Sorry. Sting's music hits, and they walk up the and, and the the EVP things are going to be smart. They're going to jump him when he comes out from the back. And at a moment out of my childhood, he comes out of the rafters. I got to give the 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 Bucks credit. They sold it very well. They did the turnaround. He beats the hell out of him with his baseball bat. I, I have many questions about the bats they use because they made the metal cling sound, but then Sting hits them with it. So either he's very good at like adjusting the power of his swing or their props department's amazing. Um, both are very impressive. He does the scorpion death drop, and we go out with Sting on top, having just come down from the rafters. It was amazing. Um, I said on, on Fightful, and I'll just reiterate it here, that I, having started watching in 2009, a lot of nostalgia stuff is lost on me. Um, it blows people's minds. I don't give a shit about The Rock. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't like going back and watching the Attitude Era. It ages poorly. I, it's not for me. When I do watch stuff, I'm more of a stone cold gal, um, the rock that I've known in the time since I've watched wrestling has been him being bad against John Cena and him taking the title off of CM Punk in my favorite CM Punk reign and doing horribly in a very long promo battle. Um, that's the case for me with a lot of wrestlers. There are some, right? Like Bret Hart, whatever. Um, that will just always be impressive and timeless because of their work. When you talk about character and gimmick driven stuff, there's not a lot of things for me to attach to. Sting on this run has had so much great present day work with Darby and the promos he's delivered on on this three year span that I have an attachment to that. And when you get the insight of how good he is at delivering promos now and you get to see the sincerity in real time, I loved the promo we got last week. It does frame what you're going back and watching with Surfer Sting and Joker Sting and Crow Sting a little bit differently. It makes it feel accessible. It makes it feel fresh and different. And so what was cool was like I had goosebumps watching that moment. And that's not, I was not transported back to a moment that I was watching as a kid. But I still felt like this thing about it. And Sean had said it's it wasn't even on his radar of things that they could do when sending Sting off like it didn't even occur to him I think that's what was so cool about it I don't think anybody was actually expecting it which is is so special um to be able to deliver something that iconic because we were trying to figure it out like I don't think they did that since Owen like I don't I don't think he has descended from the rafters and he did once in 07 and TNA okay so wow one time though one time and and in TNA and I was what we were sophomores in college you and i like um that's yeah. crazy and, so. 
And if it's TNA and not to be whatever, who knows what kind of building it was? They ran they ran small small venues. Sure. So it, it probably I don't I don't know because I wasn't watching TNA at the time, but like the um, the moment that it was tonight felt really special. felt felt really really special. Um, it, it's it's really impressive that it gave me chills when I don't, I don't have an attachment to that era. I can't even imagine how you guys felt, especially like Ryan's a sting guy. So um, I, Kyle, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Cause like, I, I don't, I just was blown away that it was something that they didn't attempted. Cause I, I think it was the coolest possible fucking thing you could have done. I'll also just say Ric Flair should not be in a wrestling ring. They should not have sold for him. It looks terrible. It's uncomfortable when he's in the ring. And I don't even mean that just from the Ick Flair, he's a piece of shit guy aspect. I mean the fact that, like, he's, like, in his late 70s going on 900. Like, he does not look good. It's very uncomfortable watching him try and put out any offense. It's very, very uncomfortable watching him take any offense from anybody else as gentle as the Bucks were. Like, it's just, it's not good. Uh, but none of that matters because Sting descended from the rafters, and that's what we got to go out on today. Yes, I. Oh my, yeah. There, there's a lot to unpack with this segment because of ultimately because of Ric Flair's involvement. Uh, but and yeah, uh, the second he took his jacket off at ringside, I just went, oh, uh, oh, oh no, no, this is a this is a very bad decision. Uh, but. Uh, the, the 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 fan service that was uh, all through this night with uh, the bats hanging in the locker room that was the nod to the last nitro uh, to the coming down from the rafters like if 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 this type of situation isn't the moment to do fan service then there is no moment to do fan service right this this is your absolute opportunity to get all these things out that you've always wanted to do or always wanted to pitch and, and, and to make that happen. Um, but yeah, th this was just a, a lot of fun. My personal connection to sting was never crow sting. I had, I had yeah, sort of, <laughs> I, I was, I grew up, I grew up with a VHS that my dad had taped off of TBS of the first of the main event of the first clash of champions of sting versus flair in the 45 minute draw a tape that I almost wore out like that. That was my connection to sting that sting that was the bleach blonde hair and the face paint and military pressing and dropping Ric Flair like uh, roughly a billion times <laughs> and like that guy you know and the the you can't you can't deny the aura of what crow sting was but that wasn't where i first made my connection to him so it's never going to be as strong for me but that being said um this was great fan service this was a lot of fun um and it's this this has been such a great run uh, for Sting uh, as as being able to go out and do his thing, and for the Bucks too, just because of the fact that uh, as soon as I saw it pitched that the Bucks were going to be 
uh, a possibility. I went, oh, that's that's going to be perfect because they can be the most obnoxious little jerks that you can possibly imagine. And Greensboro in Sting Country will be absolutely rabid to see them get their butts kicked. And it's going to be great. I wish I had my Sting mask from when I was a kid, but I wore that thing out. So it doesn't, it, it didn't survive childhood. Uh, I, I, I wore it so much. Um, I, he, I didn't think I'd see him. I don't think I saw him wrestle live when I was a kid. Cause, cause WCW didn't make it up here a lot. It was very rare that they would come up to the Northeast. It wasn't their, their strong place. I've seen him wrestle now a few times. Which is just amazing. So fucking pumped. And the best part is, is this is a good story too. Like this yeah. isn't even a bad story. Like this is a lot of fun, but it's helping everyone involved. Darby's benefiting from this final go away. He's looking kind of strong again, kind of seeming like a person, which I think sometimes he struggles with. Uh, the, the, the EVPs are coming off as the worst kind of dickheads you could come off with. They told Eddie, oh, we didn't talk about it because my computer froze at some point and I you could still be heard but not seen. Uh, they told Eddie Kingston he had, should wear a sports jacket at one point. Like they are just, yes. they're benefiting from this whole thing. So I think that makes it better. Is that Sting's not going out on a shitty nostalgia trip. He's going out on the best kind of nostalgia trip. I one that is actually fun. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, th I feel like there was... I feel AEW uses nostalgia talent extremely well and they do tributes extremely well after the dog shit he had in WWE. I think there was an extra awareness with Sting of not only with the send-off, but the whole run of how do we do this the right way? Um, because unfortunately with WWE, it was, it was just awful. And it, it ended worse than it could have ended. Um it was kind of like everything that Sting had feared about going there in the first place manifested itself. Like it was, it was so bad. Um, but they do tribute so well and they, they use nostalgia acts so well, but that was occurring to me as I was watching it. I was like, I feel like there was just an extra layer of it because I think Sting is extra special compared to some other people. No offense to Mark Henry or the big show or any of that, but like, um, Christian, you can't even call a nostalgia act because he's in the prime of his career, evidently. Like, he's <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, but they, they do this extremely well. And uh, I said on, on Twitter and on Fightful, and I'll reiterate it here because I actually think it's pretty fucking important. The amount of people that I see getting worked by the Young Bucks for the past decade, but this run more than ever. Like, it's it's a real rough world right now for the guys who were like, well, if I can't use slurs and demean people, how am I supposed to get real heat? The amount of people getting worked by this Young Bucks run is hilarious to me. And it it's so like rewarding from the perspective of like, yeah, you can be douchebag heel characters and not actually have to like be demeaning to the LBGTQ community or whatever, like in the process. Like there's so many people that think like, no, you have to actually go online and, and be pieces of shit to people. If you want to get real heat, like this is working people so hard, so much. I loved the Eddie Kingston stuff. And the reason that that clicked to me was that I was like, if they were going to body shame him, but they did not They dress code shamed him, which was even funnier. 
like by so miles so so much better i was like oh don't go that route and then they were like you come out here and you're tim's and you're whatever i was howling i love this version of them it's my favorite version of the young bucks and i really like the young bucks so um i'm just having an absolute fucking blast with this this e this evp can't call them the young bucks matthew and nicholas jackson stuff absolutely killing me and the come uh, and then taz being like i really hope they don't do a dress code here <laughs> yes that yeah. killed me too that killed me too good shit so that was our show but there was a couple things um we we touched on that i, I would love your your thoughts so let me as I'm going through, is there any, well, let me ask you this while I go through my notes. Cause I, I do have some stuff, but was there anything that really of this entire episode besides stings moment that, that stuck out to you as like a moment that you either really hated or really enjoyed. Very, very, very happy. Will Ospreay is here. Uh, the Kermit, the frog on leg day line pops me a great deal. <coughs> um, didn't like the cows promo at all. Uh, if, if you're going to say, I understood the intent of the Callus promo, but to flat out say the result doesn't matter as a line into a pay-per-view is dumb. Um, find a better way to phrase it. And I don't feel like it did to Castro or Will Ospreay enough credit on its face. Will Ospreay has spent the past year making himself the standard in pro wrestling. And he's debuting. Um... Takeshita has beat Kenny Omega like three times and Chris Jericho and is a rising star. If you want to say it doesn't matter who's going to win because it's a, a payday for the Callis family, one, Sean pointed out in the post show, well, they could face other people and you get two paydays, but two, like, still tell the story behind the intent of that. So I just feel like uh, that could have been stronger, but very, very happy that Will Ospreay is here. Uh, we, you, I, I mean, I didn't think you'd be on, so that's why I, I had to argue with you online, or I would have waited till here. No, it's uh, fine. You, you know, were fine. There were just a million people who, well, what he meant was, and I was like, oh Jesus Christ! I just, to me, he he called he called Osprey the best in the world. He called I forget what he called the Keshta. Called him something. I didn't bother because I see I see, it seems to be very much lining up to Cal's cares about Cal's and only Cal's. Hence naming the, the, the group, the Don Callis family. And in a way, I get Sean's point that if you had just let have them wrestle two people and they each get a win or a payday, but there's something to be said that Don Callis is such an asshole that he put himself in a no-lose situation. No matter what, he comes out with a win. He does. Not everyone. He does. Which is fine. I just think I'd go home to a pay-per-view telling me the results of a match doesn't matter. Is just bad writing. Like, just phrase it a different way. I, I understand told, the, the wrestlers intent. told you, but I think the wrestlers told you it did matter because they were pissed. Sure, but I think it. If you can write anything in the world, the last thing you're going to tell someone about a storyline going into a pay per view is that the results don't matter. Is fucking inherently dumb. I'm sorry, that is yeah. bad writing. Hey, it doesn't it, it, this, matter. This is a yeah, this, weird this thing is, to say. We've, we've complained about WWE, for instance, saying this for a long time and sending the message that what you're seeing on the screen is not important for whatever reason, whether it's commentators bearing what's happening in the ring or, you know, poorly delivered uh, promos like, like Kate's referencing here. Like, 
like we've seen this and we've called it out in other companies before too. And it, yeah, it's, it's not well delivered the, here. I don't think it's the same though, because in those other companies they're doing it between there. A lot of times they don't tell you it's just a match happens. And then the result didn't matter because the guy who lost just went and then gets a championship match. Here is a guy basically saying, I am so selfish that I only care that I am guaranteed a win. That's all I care about is I am guaranteed a win. Just find a different I, way to phrase it. It's a, it's a, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. Uh, we're, 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 I actually liked it because I thought it I like made well for his character. Uh, all you have to do is some say something along the lines of no matter, no matter who, no matter who wins the match, Don Callis wins the night or something like that. Well, he, did, he just said no, the, 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 the results matter because no matter what, the Don Callis family is getting a win. I mean, he did the family is through a winner. I mean, he said that. But at so no point at should you, at, at, at no point <laughs> should you say the result. At, at no point should you say the results don't matter, regardless of how you contextualize it afterwards. But you're saying that because he's trying to portray that the thing of like we're a happy family, it doesn't matter. Meanwhile, you have your two wrestlers staring daggers. No, I get that. I get it. So, I think it's fucking but, dumb. <laughs> if I'm tuning in, say I got into AEW a month ago, and this is what I'm seeing, and this guy tells me that. The, if he says why just undercutting the results of a match like that is stupid if you're tuning in aw month ago you're going who the hell is Takeshita and who the hell is osprey because neither one has really been osprey hasn't been in the company and Takeshita really hasn't been featured so we have other issues there so maybe a better use of this promo would have been talking about them and not saying that this doesn't matter well i think the point of this promo is this is the starting the seeds of dissent between osprey and callus yeah but i mean he just got there though so yeah, I, I, yeah well, we, I don't think that I don't think they intend to have Osprey stay with him long. Yeah, we no, did talk about this clear. earlier, and yeah, with the the impression is obviously that Osprey is going to spin off. Probably will take Kyle Fletcher with him when he gets his visa issues resolved. Hopefully, Mark Davis is coming back soon from the from the wrist injury. You know, and oh, and away we go because that was mm. that was that was October. That was at Wrestle Dream when that happened, I believe, wasn't it? That that sounds right. Yeah, it was October. When that happened, so when that's, that gives uh, oh Mark Davis is injury, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was rough. So that, that gives it, yeah, that that's that's been four uh, four almost five months. That's a long time point, for a wrist so. injury as someone who's broken his arm and wrist uh, he, uh, a, he, a handful he, of times. For what, for what it's worth, he said he shattered the wrist, but it I, my understanding with injuries like that is it. Depends on if you need one or multiple surgeries. So if you needed multiple surgeries, he'd be out this long. They also might just be waiting on the creative. Like he could have been healed or for the past six to get weeks. Yeah, out, so. or yeah, exactly. So, but it it was a really really bad wrist injury. It was awful to watch in real time. Um, there because you just it was one of those ones that you immediately saw it and everything he was doing with his was with his other wrist all of a sudden and you were like fucking oh no. Um, but I, that's with wrists and ankles, but it's the multiple surgeries aspect. A lot of time that is the extended healing, I think. And also yeah, I think just giving him time because he's had multiple injuries and you're like, just let that guy make, make sure he's healed proper before he gets back in. Yeah. We, yeah I think we also depends Kyle, on if it's bone or ligament. Yeah. We also or need both. Kyle Fletcher back to lose to Ethan page so we can have a TV champion that's, you know, That'd be nice, wouldn't it? If we had champions on the program. Yeah, okay. Uh, we started with the fact that ROH had 
in some form about f- f- uh, three belts, not numerically, but divisions, three, three divisions worth of championships tonight. None of which will be defended on uh, ROH television anytime soon. Well, the good thing is that we have an ROH pay per view in five weeks. So that was that was that was that was <laughs> Kyle's point. Um. Oh. Kate, Kate, Kate's with me on this, uh, or I'm with oh. her. I don't care whichever way you want to do it. <laughs> I wanted about it on the show today. We were talking about Danielson and and Eddie on AEW, and I was like, I don't care which one of them wins. I just want them to be around ROH. <laughs> we well, my problem it. is that you make it for all three belts. This is actually why I started the show. Why make it for all three? Because a good excuse would be to have Eddie lose the Continental, keep his ROH, go down to ROH, wrestle a few there, lose it there. So you could give it to someone else, then go to strong, lose that. Like you could tell a whole story there, but by tying it, you're guaranteeing Danielson spends less time in ROH, if any time. Well, tonight makes me think Eddie's retaining. So um, based on the way that match ended, certainly feels like if you do wrestling math, uh, Eddie's probably retaining. My guess is if Eddie loses that, he snaps and goes heel. So I I do like the extended story. That was always my thing with Roman on, on the bloodline was – if they had split the titles, there would have been a way better burn with that. But I kind of like the idea of Eddie having won everything and dribs and drabs and losing everything at once um, could drive him absolutely fucking mad, depending on how he loses it and who he loses it to. Like, if he loses that to Moxley, that guy's going to go fucking insane, <laughs> which would rule. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But um same with the six man picture, but like other things that I didn't like tonight. Like I'm just so fucking over the acclaimed. I'm so fucking over this trios run. Give Anthony Bowens a solo push, put him in the C2 this year, get him away from X caster. Um, it does feel like hopefully this is going to get expedited before the next pay-per-view cycle. Cause that would be way too long. I'm hoping maybe a big business or something. Uh, we, we wrap up this angle. Cause I didn't even want it going to revolution. Cause I fucking hate it. So <laughs> <laughs> well, this reason this all ties in together. I saw a couple people say online that they, they didn't love the ideal idea of Will Osprey staying with the um, United Empire, that they feared that he would get thrown in with the group and then get less shine. I think their fear is because of someone like Switchblade, who has been and Kyle and I kind of came to the and I think you're perfectly in line with us, but I'll give you a moment to speak on it. That the bigger problem is not that, first of all, you can have a trio that doesn't compete for trios titles. You can have Mark Davis and Fletcher go for tag and Osprey go for singles. So we do have to acknowledge that that is probably the likely path. But Kyle and I kind of came to the same, at least came to somewhat of an agreement where the problem just is that the way they treat the trios division has been so terrible that that's why you don't want him in there. Whereas if the trios division right now was being held by the BCC, as Kyle suggested, and those three were just wrestling everyone, every trio, and just having great match after great match and awesome feuds. Then you don't you'd want the United Empire to come in and and wrestle them. So I don't know if, what your thoughts on are with Osprey staying with the UE or, you know, um, that's kind of what works in New Japan is that you can have individual paths, but you're a part of a group. 
I don't hate that idea here. I think you have a huge opportunity to make the trios division mean something again. And I think they're also going to be super, super, super face when they break off from the Callus family. So them versus Lance Archer and the Righteous. Them versus the Blackpool Combat Club. Them versus the Hardys and Mark Briscoe or whatever the fuck. Like, I think there's a lot of possibilities. And I think that also extends to ROH. I think Shane Taylor Promotions is probably heel when they add someone else. Don Castle and the boys is face, but you could do whatever the fuck you want with them. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of possibilities that I think could work if you wanted to go in that direction. They could also be in the trios division and not win. Um, yeah. So I, I, I agree with the sentiment that if they treated the trios division better, that's a good call. I have a hard time with the timing of it because I think Will Ospreay is your champion by the end of all in. Oh, I, um, I don't think he's in the trios, but my point is, I, I think he's doing the singles run while UE can do tags. But my point being is I think the fear is all based on the fact that like Switchblade. I think he is the, sure. the fear most people have. I think that's tough too because um, it, a lot of it just feels like they lost their footing when Juice went down. Like Juice went down and I think people were like, that's a big absence. That's going to suck. But then Jay had a good C2 run and then they came back and it was like, eh, there's not really... It, it lost a lot when Juice Robinson went out, like uh, undeniably. Um, and to me, like the thing that actually hurts Juice the most is the fact that the acclaimed was not treated with any sort of real gusto for their entire trios run because them winning it is more just like, oh, thank God. It's not like, oh, sick, the acclaimed are super over. And now Jay White is going to have this huge, awesome thing. It's more like the acclaimed are dead in the water. And if Jay White wins, hopefully that'll help restore this division. But um, I certainly understand people's hesitations around that. It sucks. And it's just taking for fucking ever. Get <laughs> yeah. it yeah. going. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, but we were, we were saying, like, you know, think about it. You have Switchblade, Jay White sitting there. You could have a trio's rivalry with, we'll say even the acclaimed. He could be having singles matches with Anthony Bowens right now to, to lead up to their trio's championship match. Like, you know, you, he could be having matches against Malachi Black or Buddy Matthews. He could be having matches against all these guys that are out there and still be operating in a trio's capacity. Like, trio's yeah, gives you that freedom. And he does none of yeah. it. And they, they just don't. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm trying to think. Um, was there anything, like, I, I, I'm going through my notes. Anything else while Weber? That was that was the big stuff that we talked about and we uh we we opened up we opened up with some complaining about roh as you do with an aew show you know like, well you know, I, uh, I, <laughs> I had to establish that my problem was i, I for me to notice it was a problem yes that i'm watching uh, watching Dan it was danielson versus kingston was where i noticed it. it was like they're talking about the continental club belt they're barely referencing the other belts at all and it's just like they're so subpar. They're so not. No one cares. It's That's also I, um. It's also lazy. Like when yeah. they said they were going to lean more in the New Japan direction, I didn't think they meant we're just going to use a bunch of belts as props for lazy stories. Like that's not what I wanted. I wanted yeah. it to be sports-based feeling for sure. But it's um. It feels like they're like, oh, we need something for this angle. Let's grab an ROH belt instead of um, there's this really great story. Now, I will say that the devil angle, it did kind of feel like we got this full circle moment from 
um, the Undisputed Kingdom with Mike Bennett and Matt Taven. It felt like they should have had those titles for a long time. But they're not on ROH anymore. Like they were well, that's it, the reason the kingdom was over was because they were doing all this work on ROH and now they're never on ROH anymore. So it it feels like they finally got what they wanted to then not do anything on ROH about it. That's the problem. Like if you could have uh, the undisputed uh kingdom is actually a perfect example because they're not Eddie Kingston, they're not uh Brian Danielson they could be just having matches on ROH regularly and still involved in an AEW story and no one would blink or no one would bat an eye. Um, I do have another question. Do we think, do you, Willow is going to, I mean, uh, Statlander is going to blame Willow for the loss tonight, right? I think so. I think so. Um, And I like that Sky Blue just kind of has her number. Like I think she's two and one now against Chris. And her big upset win was over Chris. Like the first time Sky Blue was like, oh, wow, she she got a huge win was against her. Um, It's what they never paid off with Jericho and Scorpio Sky or Jericho and Action Andretti. So it's kind of cool that they're following up on it here. Um, And and credit to, I've called this out a couple times too, but I, I truly feel like it's intentional. Part of Stokely Hathaway's character was like, hitting on girls that would act like they were out of his league. It might've been depending on your purview. Um, it never felt uncomfortable or threatening in any way, shape or form. Cause I feel like the women always were like very dismissive of it. Uh, but I do feel like ever since the Vince news broke, like they've cut that out entirely. And I actually give them a ton of credit for that because um, it's, it, it's it more managerial a hundred, a hundred percent. And I, I appreciate that it feels like they had the perspective to say a man in charge of a bunch of women, maybe let's not keep up this flirtatious persona. And it kind of works with the way the storyline has evolved anyway. I don't know if that was always the intent or it's because of this, but it, it feels like a very intentional choice to get away from that. And I just appreciate that as a gal watching that because it, it definitely reads across the board as that. Yeah, I, I think it helps that. I mean, I thought the ankle was funny when it was Stokely hitting on Stat. I think it helped that Statlander obviously could beat up Stokely. I think we just that that really does lend yeah. to oh. not making it feel nearly as threatening. But you're right; it has switched to a much more old school managerial. He thinks Statlander. He's just trying to get Statlander to cheat, basically. Like right. take the take yeah. take the advantages given to you, and Willow is just too pure. She's just such a pure soul. She is a um, pure soul. But I saw that. I mean, I tweeted it right away. I'm like, she's gonna blame Willow for this, which is kind of tr- accurate. It's not entirely inaccurate. Well, that's no, that's Willow that's what works about it. Yeah, that's why Willow is literally the angel on her shoulder from that from that shot tonight. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. That, the women's division is cooking. I love that that storyline is title adjacent while having title implications with Julia. Like, I, it's not a title picture, but it affects the title picture, which is healthy. Like, we're getting a lot of that with the women's division. So that rules. you did have a and you had a Willow uh, Julia stare down. Yes, exactly. So it feels like while Julia's been injured, banged up, whatever's going on with her, they've been developing the story alongside to compliment what she'll be able to walk back into when she's ready to rock and roll. So that makes me very happy. It, it's just a lot, a lot more intentional in the women's division 
across the board and especially the closer we've been getting toward big business. Yep. So that, I mean, did you have anything to say about the, the hangman swerve? You don't have to have anything to say about hangman swerve. In oh my gosh. No, I loved this. I, well, I don't like the like psych angle stuff very much, but there were a few things that I liked about it. That's just taste. The execution of it was really well done. Like, from Hangman selling last week up through today, everything that he's done, and God bless his mustache, um, it was done perfectly. It's just, the, it's not for me. Like, I don't, I don't really love the, like, ha, 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 sneak, whatever angle. But one thing that I loved that, even though Alex Pulaski was off tonight, he's not off the DM, so we were still talking about it. And he pointed out one thing that was really cool was, um, or not, depending on how you view it, but, like, what Hangman ultimately did was give the people the match that they ultimately wanted, which is very much a face thing to do. Like, he was trying to deceive his opponents, but the crowd's excited for this match. Um, and Swerve, who's portrayed as the face in this, was the guy who kind of, like, fell into the advantage of it all. And so it feels like they're shades of gray. Like, it feels like they did a double turn. But if you pay attention to nuances like that, it's kind of cool because it's like Hangman has a reason to hate Swerve. Swerve broke into his house and fucked with his kid, oh. right? So there's like, there's these progressions and it feels like a double turn to me. It feels like a double turn did happen, but it, I like that it's not black and white, black and white, black and white. I like that Hangman punked out his opponents, but ultimately the audience is ending up with what yeah. they wanted the whole time. Like, that's pretty fucking clever, and I appreciate that. So good eyes by Alex Pulowski on that. Um, but I loved this, and I... Joe, like... I do think it swerves time. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Joe retained it, because he's just the fucking best. Like, my whole thing with Joe is, I don't know if it's going to feel like there's a time for Joe to drop it because he's so good at this. I don't ever want him to drop it. This is why this guy has had 500 plus day title reigns, 300 plus day title reigns consistently in his career is he feels like a champion. And I liked a lot of the MJF stuff. I know people were super fatigued on it by the end and that's fine. Um, but it is very refreshing that his character is like, I'm an adult. Uh, I'm a champion. And you, punk ass bitches are not going to get the title because I'm fucking Samoa Joe. Like, I adore that um, because it just feels like such a 180 from Max and it feels convincing with who he is in the ring. Like, why would he think anybody could beat him? He's the fucking best. So this is super, super fun. I like that we're getting the triple threat um, and I appreciate the way that it was done, even though if the way it do was done wasn't for me, everything about it made great wrestling sense. It just doesn't make, um, it's just a taste thing. Like it's, I don't like the like, ha ha ha, gotcha. Swerve should have seen that coming. Like he's, he's smart you. enough. Um, but really, really well done. Really well executed. Yeah. I mean, I always say it's kind of, I was saying to Kyle when we were talking, it's awkward because Swerve's the one on the microphone going like, I beat up an 18-year-old kid and left him in blood. I went and broke into a man's house and threatened his child. But he's the good guy in this story. Yes. And similarly, Adam Page is supposed to be the bad guy, but was referencing a time period in 2021 where he was the most beloved babyface in all of wrestling, probably. Um, so I, I just, 
I love that. It's. Oh, I have, I have a question you, that Kyle wrote. Like? Kyle asked. Kyle asked a good question. I think it's it's an important question for you. Joe is an excellent talker. Would you think that? Would you think? Do you think he can be considered because of how good he is an underrated talker? Like people don't. Uh, People don't credit him, think yeah, of him as being as good as he is. Yeah. The logic was Joe is never really mentioned on people's lists of the best promo guys or the best whatever, but he's, he, the dude always delivers. I don't know if you could consider him underrated or not though, based on that. It's really difficult because it all depends on what your definition of underrated means. I think when you look at somebody who is valued by the company they're in there's hardly anybody that has been more valued by the companies they're in roh strapped them up forever tna strapped them up forever um nxt gave him healthy runs he had the longest running roh tv title reign even though he wasn't around that much he's had this world title reign he's had multiple tnt title reigns so he's not underrated in the sense that companies have a single hesitation to make him the guy he's guy everywhere he's gone except wwe main roster and that was convoluted um but as far as greatest promo of all time list he should definitely be on more i think what's interesting is you're seeing more appreciation for that in this run the the bitch of all that is so much of that is the creative you're given like so and and Honestly, he was given such dog shit in WWE, but he still did really great stuff in it. But you're never going to be like, that's one of the greatest promos of all time when you're given dog shit. Like, you're just not. I think people are remembering it now in the context that he's been in now um, because he's excellent at it. And I think part of the... I'm big on... And it makes me sound so fucking pretentious every time I say it. And I'm aware of that. So just know... Pretentious sounding? Just know that I know that I sound pretentious. But a promo is supposed to promote a match. It's not supposed to be, you sounded like the best talker in the room for this. And a big part of that is making your opponent look and sound good in the process. And so sometimes I feel like the most effective promos aren't, oh, I remember this line or that line. It's, did you get me to buy into the match, though? And that's why I'm such a big Eddie Kingston gal. It's stuff like that. Like, it's... Um, everybody That's actually remembers. Not that pretentious, and I'm very. It's not upset that now. bad. It's not. It's not a tech rant or anything like that. I'm it's very upset. I wanted it to be pop very punk rant, but it's. It's if the intent of a promo is to promote a match, Samojo has to be on every single one of those lists. But I think people's lists get truncated by guy that's the best talker. Because um, I'll tell you what, like everybody remembers redeemed these nuts from Eddie Kingston, and that was fun. But they don't remember if your God really loved you, they wouldn't have put you in a match against, he wouldn't have put you in a match against me because everything that I have is your weakness and him naming five different moves that he has that goes after Miro's injury. And they don't remember, they remember that more than they remember, uh, well, no, people kind of remember him telling Jay Lethal, like, your mother's going to be crying, not because of what I did to you, but because she knows you deserve it. Like people do That's remember that line. in retrospect, but like to me, redeemed these nuts. Sign me up for that t-shirt any day of the week. 
but people forget the front half of that promo being so incredible. And that's the part that helps sell me on the match with Miro. So for me, uh, Samoa Joe should absolutely be in that conversation, but it's like, because the truth of the conversation that we should be having is did what you say, make me want to watch you fight a guy. And Samoa Joe does that every fucking time. <laughs> so, so I said it to, to, Kyle, and now I have a better comparison in my head, was that I think the problem Joe runs into and why he's underrated is because he's a killer. He goes in and he just has these killer matches and he's so believable that people think of his physicality. And I actually, I won't try to go on a rain here. I'll keep it short because we are going along. Jason, I think it was Jason Stark. I think it was Stark. I forget. I apologize. But wrote a book. This has to be 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago now, about underrated players in baseball history. And Kate, you're going to love this. He put Derek Jeter on the list and he said, how can you consider Derek Jeter underrated? And he, and his point was people can acknowledge he's a hall of famer and all this and still underrate him because they don't understand because they just assume it's, he was the captain of the Yankees dynasty. Like that can't be downplayed for how good a guy is. And my point here with Joe is Joe's so good in the ring and so believable as like a fighter that I think people downplay how good of a of a promo guy he is. So it's not that there anyone thinks he's bad or or terrible. Um just that he's got something else over. So in Jeter's thing, everyone knew he was so good and that over, almost made him underrated because no one could appreciate just how good. Like sure. he, he, we, we limited it. So all right. Now I have to I at the beginning of the show we did our news and notes, which was uh Unfortunately, we lost two wrestlers this week. One was yeah. old man. Kyle and I both didn't really have a lot of memories of Oli because he was so before our time. Sure. Um, I don't know. I don't think you probably do. I know you go back and watch stuff, but he's not someone I think would pop up on your radar. We also lost Virgil. Yeah. Now, Virgil had me. I Kyle had memories of Virgil as Virgil when he was doing his okay. feud. I had memories of him as Vince. Old. He was, yeah. You, but Kyle, really, you're not. You're just a couple. <laughs> it's those three years that are different in our storylines are are different. Like to me, he's Vincent. He's the security guy in the NWO that gets his ass kicked. I also started watching wrestling so late that people think I'm like younger than I am because my wrestling years are lesser. So I'll take it. <laughs> now, the, the funny thing is, I said to being a show is of all of us though, Kate, you actually have a Virgil story. I do. I kind of have a couple. So. Um, but the best and shortest one of that is, uh, the first time I was invited on to, well, first time I was invited on to anything to do with Fightful, I did the Pipe Bomb remixed for what was then the distraction with Jeremy and Joe Holbert. The first time I was invited to do anything with Sean was a prediction show, um, and we did it and it was awesome and it obviously has led to wonderful things for me but sean was later that day recording his interview with virgil and it is what he has said is the worst interview he's ever done um there were guys in his ear this was pretty intentional uh it was one of the highest engaged ones on fightful selected it is now on regular fightful for everybody to access um and it is hysterically bad uh so check that out but i always like before even today i've joked that like thank you virgil for making me seem like the most normal thing for sean so that he can bring me on the future shows 
the story story that has to do with me is uh, when I had my own business, part of what I wanted to do was participate in WrestleCon as a vendor. And I was setting up and Virgil was at WrestleCon, snuck into WrestleCon, did not buy his own booth. It was just going around other people's tables, trying to commandeer them. And he set up right next to me without asking me, without talking to me. I assumed because he was Virgil, he probably had his own table. So his table was just next to me. And I had gone, I think, to get a coffee. I remember very distinctly having a huge migraine that day. And my intern at the time, being the one who was at my table, and Virgil just came over and set up. And he was like, I don't really know if this is his table and we're sharing it or like what is happening. Um, but he set up all of his shit. He never purchased a table and he started taking pictures with people. And then he would offer to take another one because we were trying to raise money for a charity. He would be like, Hey, throw five bucks her way or whatever. And so we probably made more money than we ever would if he wasn't there, but he just straight up took over the table without talking to me. And then the next day, I was like, not again, buddy. But he was going around doing the same thing to other people. And somebody was, like, going around warning him. And so I'm pretty sure he got booted because somebody finally ratted him out. But that was just the most virgily virgil thing. He was very nice. He was just, like, being a carny. And God bless him because he, he was real good at it. Um, very sad that he was only 61. Very sad that the... The end chapter of his life was um, overtaken by dementia. That that's brutal. That's awful. Um, but here's, here's what the a thing character. about a Virgil. <laughs> here's the thing about Virgil that I like, and I and we tell that story, and those are mostly the stories about Virgil of him doing carny things, like taking a picture with someone and then charging him for it when the person didn't even ask for a picture, or signing something for someone that the person didn't ask to be signed and charging him. And it's very carny stuff, but it's all harmless. Like it he is didn't... exactly that. It is benign carny stuff, um, mostly in the interest of trying to make a buck. Charging talent for pictures at shows was one that came up today that cracked me up. Follow Joey Janela for some really good ones, but none of them are mean spirited. None of them are. Um, Virgil made me uncomfortable, really, in any way. Like it's it's all that. It's all like it... uh, very silly carny shit. <laughs> <laughs> Unless someone wants to correct me, I, I haven't heard that level, like a bad story about Virgil in terms of like, no, he, like, so like your story, your work at Bird Charity, he helped you make extra money for that charity. Big time. But he did take, I, I remember getting the text from you because again, you weren't, I, you knew who he was, but you weren't a Virgil person. And no. You're just like, you're just like, Virgil is at my table. And I'm like, what is and going on? And by the on? way, like, just, really amping up his own legacy as like founding member of like, it was so fucking funny. That was the day before I met the shining wizards. Actually that, that WrestleCon I worked and then Kevin Gill, wonderful commentator and human being um, messaged me that the shining wizards who I hadn't known, he was like, I'm with people that have an extra ticket. If you want to join us at Madison square garden. So that whole weekend really kind of set up this whole moment right here. It's like I remember very well because I was laughing my ass off as I was hearing this story because I had heard Virgil's stories before, <laughs> and now I knew someone and just like oh yeah, if you would listen to him talk, he was a found he was the third man in the NWO like he oh, was oh original founding member was like his like 
who he was. Because he brought all his shit. That was the most impressive part. He did not buy a table, but he had his bin of shit. Because he was selling 8x10s and DVDs and whatever. So he did everything but reserve a table, and they weren't sold out. Like he, I think that might have been what they ended up doing. They were like, dude, pay the 75 bucks or whatever. Because they were, they were not expensive at all. Like, if I could have afforded one as a business owner at that time, like, there was, it was not an inaccessible price point at all. So, it was fucking hilarious. I, I'm glad we're ending on that, because that was a fun, fun story to, you know. Hell happy, yeah. You know, yeah, it's sad. 61's too early at, at anymore. It's not an old age. and you need dementia, which... I don't want to get into this series of discussion, but I, I do raise the question of at 61, are you actually getting dementia or is it CTE? CTE? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's a, that's a very, very real thing. It's a very like real that, thing, that, especially that era he worked in. We weren't like conscious of that shit yet. So yeah, I, I, I feel, but you know, how many wrestlers took bumps or shots that they just didn't realize. And truthfully, I feel bad. You, you, you hear all the time, like, Oh, this person did this. Like no one knew. We all thought you could get oh. your head bashed in. Oh, yeah. The yeah. amount of wrestlers that will say, like, I, when a reporter that doesn't work in wrestling is like, how many concussions do you think you had? They would be like, fucking countless. I don't know. Like, I worked I through wrestling. so many concussions. Yeah. Like, it was well, get I, up and it, get back out there kind of thing. It was not like it, it is now. It, thank God it is now. Yeah. It's worse than football used to be. I mean, football, I remember they used to be like, you'd get your bell rung and they'd want you to go get hit again to make sure that you were okay. It's, yeah, <laughs> wrestling was worse, and wrestling like even made, the yeah. the cuteness of saying your bell rung, right? Like it's oh, your brain sloshing around in your head, yeah. like that's all all these little things that we've done to soften it over the years. I think that's um, while sad and not um, the focal point of of Virgil's passing is definitely a very real piece of that conversation because that's you. Yeah. He was that guy in that era, and it, it feels like those consequences are very aligned with that. So I'm but sure luckily be... there's just some very funny Virgil stories now. There sure are. There sure are. And I got I got to be part of one of them. Cole Cabana yeah. had a podcast that was called Wrestling Anonymous, where fans would call in their stories, but not say their name or whatever. And when he first started it, I feel like there was an episode. They would just be like two minute stories. You would literally leave them on an answering machine. It's a very um, heartwarming podcast. But he had one episode where he was like, just all of them were Virgil stories. Like all, it was like every interaction that we got, some were heartwarming stories, some were funny stories. He was like anything that was like funny or carny or whatever. He was like, for when we opened up the hotline for you to leave them the first episode he was like it's just like 20 virgil stories and then like four that worked or whatever so um that that may be if you're looking for a fun little cliff note is like people being like this guy chased me across the street to a gas station to try and sell me an eight by ten or whatever like there's a million one of those so yeah. check those out if you're feeling uh like you have an itch for some silly virgil stories <laughs> awesome so that i think will wrap us up for our wednesday night stream unless anyone has anything to add um no just that merch madness is going on so buy a mark order t-shirt because it's 20 percent off and free shipping so wow, she's a much better salesperson than i am i blew through that so quickly buy um, a lot yeah i buy one of each shirt buy multiples buy of each them. shirt you know what i'm just gonna say it you look great now people everyone out there y'all great look beautiful but maybe you get in a different shape at some time maybe you get bigger maybe you get smaller buy different sizes so you can always have a shirt 
I'll go one say. further. It's called March Madness. You should buy 64 shirts. The tournament it's expanded to 68 a couple years ago, though. Oh, so there you go. Yeah. Fuck me, then. 68 shirts. You're getting 20% off. That's a decent amount. That's like a really decent amount. So buy 68 shirts. Buy them for your friends and family. They make great stocking stuffers. You're going to want to buy Mark Order shirts for yourself and 67 other people. And quite frankly, if you're buying 68, you should buy a 69th just to pop me because 69 is nice. So buy a nice number of t-shirts. Use the code Merch Madness. Legitimately, there is free shipping and 20% off for a little bit. So um, keep us in mind if you're making purchases over there, if you would be so kind. If you're like, I'm going to go buy some AEW gear or whatever, uh, keep the Mark Order podcast on your mind and throw another 69 shirts under your order. Thank you. Perfect. So aside from our, our, our uh, 69 shirts that you have to buy, uh, follow us on all socials. Uh, we'll give you guys a chance to plug, but make sure you follow us on all socials at Mark Order Pod. Because if you want to get to Pro Wrestling Tea Store, but for some reason you can't type in Pro Wrestling Tees, if you go to our link tree in any of our socials, it'll get you there. Um, One LT is saying, I better wear my Sting Pee. I, we don't know when, when it'll be up or when we're doing it. We, we as a team have to coordinate. But we will be doing a preview show. I did buy makeup. I so hope it's during a weekday and there's like an emergency meeting that you have after our prediction show. <laughs> also, also makeup and face paint are different things. That is it's true. makeup. It, it's it's a it's clown makeup. Uh, I was I was given it by our friend Elise, who actually recently did a cosplay of. Mel Coleman's Julia art. That was very good. Yes. She did a trial run for me. So it is white clown makeup and a black like pencil thing that you do your, the black stuff with. Um, she's all, she forgot to tell me, <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a little insight and then we'll go. I'm an idiot. Didn't even realize this. I didn't buy the, uh, the sponges you would need to apply. <laughs> so luckily she reminded me to get those. So I have to go to CVS to get the sponges. Otherwise I would have been using my hand. Um, one LT bought the same stuff. L it's from a cosplayer, one LT, so we're, we're going well. Um, so yes, I will be marked out as Sting. I will be buying makeup remover because I will put this stuff off my face quickly. Um, oh, one LT bought the sponges. So yes, when, whenever we do our preview show, please tune in. You'll see me in full Sting paint. It hey, will be bad. Sting! I am Here's not. Me. I need to. I, <laughs> I need everyone to understand two things before, and then we'll, we'll, we will really move the plugs. One, I am, have no artistic ability as it is, and face paint or makeup is part of that. Like I am just really bad at that stuff. Two, I won't be able to wear my glasses when I apply this, meaning I won't be able to see ninety percent of what I'm doing. Oh, it's gonna be so bad, so good. Like I will, like you, like I'm like this against the mirror, trying to see like how I'm doing it. So. This is going to be bad. So, must everyone be aware? See, you've got to have somebody. You got to have somebody that you can trust that can come apply it for you. This is how I, I managed to. When I, 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 I was in college, and it was the early two thousands, and I decided to. I had I had longer hair at the time, and I decided to go full crow for Halloween that year. So I had to. I their pictures don't exist anymore. So that those are all gone. I had them uploaded somewhere and I don't think they're there anymore. Boom. Um, I know I I'm kind of sad about it too, but um, 
I had to have somebody help me apply some of the specifics of the black makeup because otherwise that was not going to happen or it was going to look it, absolutely garbage. It's going to be bad. Not intentionally. I, I Listen, if it ends up good, I'm going to be very proud. But I'm giving you the, the heads up. I would I would fail first grade art right now. So that's you where should, my skills. You should be proud for being brave enough to do it. That's all. Yeah, I believe I bought that. I mean, it's literally, uh, that's a whole different discussion. Anyway, okay. We're going to now plug our stuff. Kyle, since you're our guest, <laughs> why don't you plug your stuff first? Oh, that's well, this shouldn't take long, so that's okay. Uh, give me a follow at Kyle K. Sparks on the Twitters. Uh, I'm sometimes live tweeting shows, but anything that I'm do that I am working on will be there. Uh, all of my assorted thoughts that pop into my head on a moment's notice. It's generally a lot of fun to follow there, and uh, and periodic threads about how frustrating Ring of Honor can be to follow, which is super super fun. Um, also, I'm also I'm occasionally uh, Kate's research monkey, which is yes. which is a good time. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, you are. In my plugs, uh, I was gonna say you can find me at Miss Kate Fabe, forcing Kyle to do a bunch of research for me. But I'll let you finish up. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, but every Thursday night at uh, ten fifteen, I will be uh, with Auntie Collins uh, on the oh, our yeah. local establishment uh, Honor Ramble post show podcast. We've been having a good old time uh, talking Ring of Honor, and uh, that's Losers. every Thursday night at ten o'clock. And uh, other than that. Give me a follow and uh, give the Mark Order folks a follow. And that's about all I got. Losers talking <sighs> ROH. Oh, go write a history blog, nerd. Okay. All right, Kate, now your turn. There's there, there's, there's two of us here. I, just, I was uh, just going to say the numbers game, not in your favor. There's going to be a post-pod beatdown. I'm going to beat you up. Uh, you can catch me. On Fightful, select on Mondays with Alex Pulaski doing the Sourgraphs Raw review. Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday on the Fightful main channel doing NXT ROH and SmackDown, respectively. When I'm not here, it's usually because I'm there. Filling in for somebody like I did tonight, but happy to hop over here after. Um, and you can catch me at Miss Kate Fabe on social media as well. Brought back uh, this week in wrestling to my little weekly recap show. We did just kind of a, the year so far situation across all promotions last week, but we'll be back to our regular format tomorrow, uh, hopefully, or possibly Friday because this week is so loaded. I might wait till Friday, but um, very much enjoying wrestling right now. Looking forward to this card this weekend. Uh, and we will be doing a prediction show once we get that out there. You can find me at all in all our socials at Mark Order Pod. I am here every Wednesday at 10 15 and on Saturday nights doing the Collider cast with my buddy Asian Joe. We watch, we do a live watch along of Collision. Uh, we should be doing it this Saturday, I'm assuming. Uh, other than that, you can find my history blog here for history.com or at underscore here for history on Twitter. So that's that. Now you guys are going to see me do the walkout, which again, I tell you all what I'm doing. I put the <laughs> overlay on. Make sure the volume's up. And go.
This concludes the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.